Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, well, we almost didn't get into uh, Action Radio. Greetings from the Gulf Coast here, um, Gulf of Mexico and Florida. Um, I just had a, a bit of a scare. I probably logged in a little bit late, <laughs> about three minutes before the show started. And this voice said, we're having technical difficulties. Please call in later. I'm like, no, I've got a show to do. So then I said, please press one to start your show. I got the, the, the cue to start the show again. So I tried it and this time it worked. So whatever they had, they fixed which is really good because I really enjoyed doing this show and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do uh, with it since Brianna's on the line right now and we have, we have the world to save and a whole bunch of things to talk about. So let's get right to uh, government inquiry with, uh, with Brianna. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combined into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now... The Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. So did I give you enough articles yesterday? Like six? <laughs> Good morning, Brianna. Yes. Well, Good I was morning. kind of on a roll. Good morning. Yeah, I was kind of on a roll all of a sudden. And this is what happens. I'll, I'll get on a topic, and then uh, this stuff keeps popping up. And then, well, that's interesting. And then I ask another question. And then, well, let's see, what, let's see what we find. And then I find another article. By the time I was done, just so folks know, that uh, um, I, I really did send Brianna about six articles last night. I don't expect you to have read them all or, or analyzed them all. I mean, this is an ongoing process. But I do want to talk about this just absolutely abysmal uh, kowtowing to the Communist Chinese Party, and of course I, I looked into it. I've got some articles in the in the third hour. I'm going to go over. So if you want to catch that, you know, on podcast, uh, feel free. But uh, what uh, what did what have you sort of gleaned from all this? What uh, what, what are your views on uh, on this trip and anything else that you may have discovered in uh, that voluminous amount of stuff? And plus your own investigations about uh, what's going on between uh, our illegal government and the the Communist Chinese. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what they're doing because most mm-hmm. of them, uh, a lot of the reports that I see is talking about the meeting, <laughs> um, like in regards to them having it. Um, and some of them are saying that, you know, this is really pathetic, you know. Um, well, I agree with that. Because that, I guess he had, problem. Yeah, he had to yeah. beg for this. Yeah. Um, let me see. Who, who, was begging? Um, who was doing the begging? Blinken? Begging for a meeting or yeah. what? Why was he begging for a meeting yes. with the, the communist Chinese? I don't know, but it, what it shows is kind of like America's weakness to China, since they're supposed to be like the representatives. So why would he beg for a meeting with China? What does he care? What, how does that who, – who's his audience? Who do you think he's, he's talking to? Why would, why would he do this? Why would he need a meeting with China? I mean, China already owns the, the, the Brandon administration or insurrection, excuse me. I mean, they pay for Brandon. 
Uh, yeah. they, they give, you know, well, so why would they, go ahead. I'm curious. Yeah. Supposedly they had a lot of people saying that it was a bad idea and that mm-hmm. he originally had planned to take the trip in February, but because huh. of the spy balloons, they decided not to. Um, so I don't know why they decided to go this time. I guess they figured, oh, enough time has passed. We can still go. People won't get upset. Well, and he didn't talk about the spy balloons. Apparently, yeah. uh, I heard some report, I think it's probably one American news, that the whole meeting they had, the press conference, was like usual for the Chinese, you know, for, for communists, completely scripted, no questions, you know, from reporters. Or if they did, they were all pre-approved, much like uh, Brandon's uh, press conferences here. They only, uh, they only get pre-approved questions. Um, that's how Jean-Pierre, what's-her-name, Ron Paul can answer them. Uh, but uh, so th- this is all some big fraud. It's like, it's like communist elections where, where the communist leader wins about 98% and they call it a democracy. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's funny. It's laughable. Yeah, I, I know that they were kind of working together to um, have better communication or something of that sort. But well, let's let's hold, really hold on. Let's, exactly let's focus on that. Happen. Yeah, I think you're on to something. I remember hearing something else too about we have to improve uh, uh, the stability of our relationship. Well, well considering China runs yeah. Joe Biden, and Joe Biden, you know, um, well, and actually Obama runs. Uh, um, Joe Biden. So the question is, is Obama working with the communist Chinese? I, don't, I didn't think of that until just now. Did, he, did that pop up at all? Did, was there any connection between Obama and the commies over there? Um, no, not directly that I've read, no. But hmm. it's not surprising if it was to be that well, way. But, maybe, um, maybe make a little note to investigate. See if you can put Obama and the, the CCP into a search and see what pops up. So a lot of times um, this is how I find stuff out is just, you know, just make a very general because, you know, it's hard to know exactly what to look for for these investigations. But I remember my, my classic moment was back in uh, February of 2020, you know, when COVID, when, when Dr. Fascist was out pushing vaccines as the only solution. I said, it can't be the only solution. So we got medicine, we've got, we've got drugs, we've got, uh, you know, surgery, we've got procedures, we've got uh, technology, we've got all these things we can use, and vaccines are the only answer? That never made sense to me. So I put three words into my search. I said, what kills viruses? And that was it. What kills viruses? And all this stuff came up. And I thought, wait a minute. Now I know this guy's a liar. Because I, I get uh, viruses that kill viruses, drugs that kill viruses, viruses and drugs in combination kill viruses, viruses uh, or, or certain drugs can act like, like laser pointers and say, here's the, here's the virus, you know, go after it. And other viruses will go after them. You know, there's all these different ways to kill viruses. So if there are many ways to kill viruses, why would you want a vaccine that takes 15 years to be developed when we've already got the, the, the medical knowledge and technology to kill it now? Besides, coronavirus is never that serious. It's a flu bug. Or a bioweapon, depending on who you're Actually, talking. on this, yes. so right before Anthony Blinken went over to China, Bill Gates mm-hmm. did to have a meeting with Xi Jinping, Uh-oh. supposedly their um, So there's an article about this on Epoch oh, Times, and there's also, I think, Andrew Clavin covered it. He's part of the Daily Wire. Okay, so um, what does it which say? Is like Do you have the articles right there? Network. Do you have the articles? What was Bill Gates doing um, No, I don't have the article up right now, but... Uh, hmm. I why would Bill Gates go to China? It, but why, why would, well, why would a said, capitalist like Bill Gates go to communist China? 
Well, he said that it was to strengthen business ties between the U.S. and China. And then he gave China a $50 million check. And he said the purpose was to fund studies in infectious diseases. Now, right off when I first heard this, I was like, okay, so he wants to strengthen business ties, but he's giving right. this $50 million check for infectious diseases. Okay, so where's the business tie here? Why, why exactly is that? But it turns well, out that it was supposed COVID to be for malaria. <laughs> COVID vaccines are a business. You know, that's, that's, that's a great, uh, yeah. that's brilliant. So Gates, you know, but, and I've heard that same thing. They said that Blinken is over there to strengthen business ties. Well, how do you have business ties with a communist party who's dedicated to the government owning all the means of production? That's what communism is. But as it went on, it starts to make sense why they okay. said business ties, okay? So uh-huh. they said that the infectious disease that he's paying $50 million for is for malaria. So, I mean, um we already kind of let China um, mess around with diseases, and it didn't go so well. Um, well, gain of function, right? You know how that works. Taking a, yeah, taking a, but, a naturally occurring coronavirus and making it really deadly as a bioweapon so they can sell vaccines. So let me ask you a question. $50 million for malaria. What cures malaria that costs five cents a pill? Oh, wait. This one was not. Oh, wait. It was a different thing that Andrew Clavin covered, not this one. Okay. I don't want to talk about this one. Okay, sorry, right. what did you say? Well, let me ask you the question. So, so the question is, what cures malaria or prevents malaria and only costs five cents a pill? Hydrochloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine, exactly. Now, the original form was chloroquine or chloroquine. Um, then they added the hydroxy, which would be hydrogen and oxygen, uh, onto it. I guess it makes it easier, safer, you know, who knows what. But anyway, but yeah, exactly. Oh, Marco's in the Netherlands. Morning, Marco. Actually, good afternoon, Marco. Good <laughs> afternoon there. Uh, so we're international already, which is great. Um, but yeah, so why would you spend $50 million when you already know the cure at five cents, unless you're trying to prevent it or come up with a vaccine for something that doesn't need a vaccine because we already have a cure? So that was my contention with COVID. Why would you develop a vaccine when we already have a cure? In fact, I asked Judy Mikovits. Well, also, Go ahead. What do you think? What they said is that it wasn't for China because China went malaria-free in 2021. How'd they do that? So what they're doing is is Bill Gates is mm-hmm. now paying China to fund studies in infectious diseases for malaria for Africa to deal with Africa's malaria problem, which well, seems Africa's like the one a that lot uses of all, holes. Wait a minute. Africa uses all the hydroxychloroquine. And ivermectin. They already use hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in Africa. That's how they stop malaria. So what were you I saying before I interrupted? I don't know how bad the malaria problem is in Africa. I don't know the oh, standing of it in Africa. Oh, huge. But, yeah. But malaria kills more people that, than almost anything, I think, in Africa. It's one of, the, one of the leading causes of death other than, you know, natural cause old age stuff. But, yeah, malaria is huge. That's why everybody gets – in fact, they take hydroxychloroquine as a preventive. In, by the millions of tablets, millions, all across Africa, wherever there's malaria, wherever there's yeah. you know, standing water and mosquitoes. Yeah. And so with this, I don't think for sure that this money is actually going to um, infectious studies or anything for diseases. Mm-hmm. But what they're saying is that cobalt and lithium mines are in Africa. And in the United States and China are kind of like battling for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But 
at this point, you know, China uses the cobalt and lithium or whatever for their little chips. Do you know and what else they use for? This is where the business ties comes in. Okay, so cobalt Batteries, and lithium are two are, but, are two very special elements. So cobalt, where's cobalt yes. used? I just I just saw a story on that. Where's cobalt used? Um, I don't know which ones which between cobalt and lithium, but I know they're used for batteries. Yeah, lithium's for batteries. Lithium is one of the main components of yeah. electric car batteries. Cobalt is one of the main components in in military jet technology, particularly the F thirty five, which is a total turkey. We can report on that sometime. So China has been trying to co opt most of the lithium cobalt, what they call rare earth elements. And so by controlling the rare earth elements, tungsten, uh, what are some of the other ones that are harder to find? Yeah, cobalt, lithium, tungsten, um, these very special minerals that are very, you know, even silver, which is not really rare, but uh, it's still critical in so many functions. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, Titanium. Uh, I don't know if titanium is made or it's like steel is made from iron and and, uh, nickel and tin. But I think uh, titanium is very, it's critical for airplanes. So a lot of this is the most advanced airplane technology. Well, who wants to have the most advanced airplanes? China. And if China can make us dependent on them for the materials to build our airplanes, they can probably give us substandard or impure cobalt and lithium. And who's to say our companies wouldn't be stupid enough just to take it or at least become dependent. And who controls, who controls a lot of the hydroxychloroquine now that I think about it? Um, I don't know who owns a lot of hydroxychloroquine. China. So here's, well, here's another question. Well, Do you remember, I don't know if you remember, remember the plants, remember back early in COVID when hydroxychloroquine plants were being blown up, like they're blowing up food plants now so they can get everybody to eat bugs? Why would you blow up the cure to I COVID? Oh, take a look sometime on, on uh, the destruction of hydroxychloroquine plants. I think it's, I think it's made in China. We should, we should double check that just to be sure. I can't think of a source right now, but I know. Go ahead. It also seems kind of weird, you know, since, you know, they do want all this power and this money that something that they are creating and stuff they're trying to destroy. But, mm-hmm. you know, anytime that something seems suspicious from the Chinese, it's usually because they want to take more control. Yeah, and well, ultimately they they you know they want everybody wants and everybody wants to rule the world. What is that that Coldplay song? Everybody wants to rule the world. You know, from Genghis Khan. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a, there's a long progression of insane people that think they can rule the world. And you know, now Bill Gates and the communists, and it just it doesn't work, folks. The world can't be ruled. That's the beauty of it, because there's too many of us rebels out here that uh, just don't go along and are willing to do some really crazy things to keep our freedom. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, that's, that's an unrealistic dream. I mean, it really is a definition of insanity to think that you can rule the world. So, and this is why these people do such crazy things. World Economic Forum, all these folks. The problem is they kill millions of people in the process of, of losing their dream. You know, it costs. In fact, I, I think I sent you a report on the human cost of uh, communism. Millions, hundreds of millions of people have been killed over this bizarre philosophy where they think they can control everybody. And it's always the people that you don't want controlling that actually end up doing the controlling. Anyway, so much for pontificating. Um, China, what uh, did you, yeah. did you find the history interesting? So, Maybe I think, you go ahead. So the, I, the business tie in this um, situation is mm-hmm. because um, the Chinese chips are used in Microsoft computers. Ooh. 
Well, isn't Taiwan big in so, chip manufacturer? I don't know. Maybe. I think so. But, I think they, they're building a plant in Arizona too. So this might be a way to cut China, cut Taiwan off economically by building more chips in China, in communist China. Make a note. <laughs> let's see. We can let's 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 check on that one. But I think I think you're honestly. Well, tell me more yeah. about this. What what else is going on? So that's all the information. But you know, tying it together, whenever you read through this, and whenever you um, put in the fact that because I didn't know that China had made the hydroxy chloroquine. So that's kind of changed that right now. Yeah, let's, let's let's check that but, right now, just to be on the safe side. Yeah. I'm going to pull a little uh, window here. Where is hydroxychloroquine made? Or who makes the most hydroxychloroquine? Who the most? But even then, it's still on the market for like six years, and it works. And so it doesn't make sense why they would just use that if their goal was to um, uh, try and get rid of malaria so they could have more workers in these mines then why wouldn't they just go with hydroxychloroquine? Or are they going to anyways, but are they using the money for something else? Like what well, exactly is going on with that situation? Let's think about profit. What's more profitable, hydroxychloroquine or COVID shots? Dumb question, right? Well, it depends. Like, are they selling it to the Africans or are they just going to be giving it? Because if they're just giving it, it would be cheaper to use hydroxychloroquine for them because they're the ones doing it out of pocket. Unless it's huh. Bill Gates paying for this. And if they get more money from finding something else and they get $50 million out of it, maybe that's why they chose it. So I don't really know all the, I guess, decisions they're going to be making about it. Hmm, interesting. I'm having trouble with my, my web page right now for some reason. It's, it's Safari is doing weird things. Let me try let me try uh, Google. I don't like doing Google because they, they track everything. Not that I'm, you know, not tracking everything anyway. <laughs> now, let's see if I get a new window here while I'm running the show. So who makes the most hydroxychloroquine? Who makes most hydroxychloroquine? Hydroxychloroquine. Every time I tap, I have to type around my microphone. It's not fun. I keep thinking I'm going to shut the show off at any moment. Uh, India is the biggest producer. Oh, there we go. India produces 7% of the world's hydroxychloroquine. That's in 2020. Uh, who else makes it? It's, it's called Plaquenil. I think that's the generic, uh, or that's the, the, the brand name. Hydroxychloroquine is the uh, generic name. And this is about, well, these are articles from 2020, right when, when COVID was getting going. Uh, let's see. Fierce Pharma. Who are they? Novaris, Mon and Teva to supply tens of millions of chloroquine tablets to fight COVID-19. This is interesting. Okay. okay so they're in the middle of the fifth of the head. So there were millions of chloroquine What's that? You're cutting what out happened? really bad. I don't know if that was for everybody or just on my end. Probably because of I'm doing too much on this website. All right, we're going to check this out later. Yeah, I'm having – how about now? How does it sound now? Yeah, it sounds clear now. 
Okay, so I was using an extra window because my Safari window is not working, so I have to look it up later. I can look up those articles later. Now that they're in my history. Um, but it's, it's interesting that millions of, of hydroxychloroquine tablets were being produced in March of 2020 uh, in anticipation of using that to cure COVID. That's interesting. I mean, it's a little sideline from what we've been talking about, but it goes to prove that vaccines were not the only road. In fact, they had to make, that's why they had to make hydroxychloroquine, you know, seem uh, to not work and sabotage the studies and get rid of it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have got their emergency use authorization for their COVID shots. Because if, if hydroxychloroquine worked, which we know it does, then the law says if you got a, a, an already approved product that works, you can't make an experimental one. So they had to re- they had to reverse that and say that the, the approved one doesn't work, so we, we can get the experimental one. That's how we ended up with the COVID shots, which are proving deadly and oh. disastrous. Oh, yeah. that's a, Well, I'll explain it to you in the law sometimes. It's really interesting. Well, actually, it's in our law. Uh, it's in our vaccine product liability law. But the way they did it, the law states very clearly that you cannot have an emergency authorization for an experimental drug if there is an already approved drug that works. And hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were already proven to cure coronaviruses. So in order to get the COVID shot authorized, they had to get rid of the things that were already approved and say that they're not approved. So they had to unapprove something that was approved. They had to demonize it in the press and they had to tie it to Trump and they had to make sure that uh, ivermectin was called horse medicine and hydroxychloroquine was, was called deadly um, and, and could not be used in order to, and in other words, they broke the law twice. They broke the law once to, to demonize things that were perfectly approved and working just fine. And they demonize, they broke the law again by authorizing something by breaking the law, something else. In other words, they only, they got their authorization because they had already broken the law uh, by declaring something that works as something that doesn't work. That's how they did it. So they made the legal illegal so they could make the illegal legal. Does that make sense? That, in essence, is the story of COVID. Yes. Back to China. So apparently China, I was wrong. China doesn't make hydroxychloroquine, but India does. Why? Because India has a huge malaria problem. How much COVID did India have? Do you remember? Um, I don't know. Very little. African countries, too, had very little COVID. We did. In fact, the greatest number of COVID deaths per population is the United States because we did something nobody else did. Our government demanded and paid for remdesivir, which is a failed Ebola drug that killed over half of the, uh, uh, the subjects in trial. It was more deadly than the Ebola virus itself, which is hard to do because Ebola kills almost 50% of the people who catch it. Remdesivir killed over 50% of the people who took it. And yet that was prescribed with ventilators, which again killed people with bacterial infections and everything else. So it's a, it's a pretty sad story. It's basically a medical holocaust. Now, given that, let's get back to China. So why would Bill Gates, who wants vaccines instead of hydroxychloroquine all over Africa and probably India too, who demonized hydroxychloroquine, why would he be giving $50 million to China? Now, was it, was it the uh, chips you were talking about or the, or the drugs? Where, where, I think I might have gotten off track here a bit. Yeah, he gave some money to some studies for malaria. 
But Malaria, that's right. One of the okay. theories is that because they have lithium and cobalt mines in Africa, because their focus is Africa, um, okay. that is because they want to keep the populations alive so that they can still continue to dig for it so that they can use with, them in the chips, so that China can use them in the chips so that Bill Gates yeah. can use it for his computers. But we already know that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin prevent malaria. So why would you need to get $50 million for a study? Why would you give it to China? They maybe got they're looking money. for extra profit or something. I'm not really sure. Or maybe huh. the, um, or maybe they are looking for cures for malaria, but you know they have something else in mind besides that, and they're just saying that. I really don't know. I don't either. But it was just fun asking the questions. Let's see if we can puzzle yeah. this out. See, a lot of times too, you, you take three or four stories and you start putting things together. It's like a puzzle. And so let's let's make a picture of the puzzle. So we know China wants to control the mines. We know China wants to control the rare earth elements. We know China makes horrendous deals for these countries to loan them money, which they can't pay back. And then China, you know, takes over whatever resource, in this case, the mines. We know that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin prevent or cure. I don't know if you can really cure totally malaria. We know that malaria is not going to be wiped out as long as there are mosquitoes with the malaria virus in them, um, unless you kill them. In fact, that's what DDT used to do. That's why DDT was so successful. It killed mosquitoes uh, that carried diseases. I think it was widespread through Africa. And then Rachel Carson comes along with Silent Spring. Um, remember, I don't know if you heard about that, uh, that they got rid of DDT. Do you remember the story of DDT? It was an interesting sideline, too. No, I didn't. Okay, so look it up sometimes. So DDT was a chemical that was incredibly effective at controlling mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, especially the spread of disease. We've got the, the, the Zika virus and all the other things now. But uh, in, in Africa, they controlled malaria with DDT. Now, Rachel Carson and the environmental wackos come along and say, well, DDT is, is, is killing all the birds. They're, uh, you know, they're eggshells. They don't have any calcium. Well, DDT has nothing to do with calcium. So, the, so then, the thing, so then it, it eventually came out later. She drew a book called Silent Spring. Silent Spring, all the birds are gone. All the environmentalists went, oh, no, the birds are gone. We've got to get rid of DDT. And that was a massive campaign to ban DDT. Well, of course, they did. And then what happened? Well, mosquitoes came back by the millions, billions, trillions. And malaria spiked, <laughs> you know, so all these things, horrible things came back because they get rid of DDT. And the problem was that DDT uh, was not the problem. And uh, the reason that the birds were having crumbling eggshells is because when they did the experiments, they, they took calcium out of the diet of the birds that they were experimenting on. So, of course, their eggshells crumbled. They had no calcium in their body to make eggshells. And that's what we call fake science. And that's the story of DDT. Mm. Interesting. Huh? I'm just full of surprises for you. <laughs> that's what happens when you get older. <laughs> you have a lot of stuff in your memory banks that just kind of comes out and go, oh, that's interesting. And then you start relating them all together. Okay, so, so, so what's... Also, uh, um, one of yeah, the things ahead. that you had... What else you discovered? Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, okay, um, well, one of the things that you had asked about was um, Anthony Blinken's history. And it turns out that he does kind of have, like, an extensive um, role within, like, mm-hmm. the Clinton and Obama administration within, like, foreign policy. Um, mm-hmm. And he did uh, get college degrees in, I think, like, law or something. Um, from where? I mean, Biden, Biden has a law degree, but it's from, exactly like, you know, some, some rinky-dink college. I mean, Biden, he, I think he failed his, his uh, bar exam several times, too, if I remember. I could be wrong on that. But he, he didn't go to Harvard or Yale. I mean, Biden went to some rinky-dink college. So tell me about yeah, Blinken. Um, I, I, uh, Blinken went to from... Harvard okay. College, um, okay. which I don't know if that's different than the university, but it's mm. Harvard College and um, 
What was the other one? Columbia Law School. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know the difference between a college and a university? There actually is a definition. I don't know the definitions. <laughs> yeah. The university has a graduate school. So Harvard College would be the undergrad. Harvard University would include the grad schools, medicine, theology, law, those kind of things. So he's, I just call it, we just call it Harvard University because there's both the grad school and the undergrad. So the fact that he went to Harvard and Columbia, both incredibly liberal institutions, and then ended up as a, as a stooge hack apparatchik of Clinton and Obama, and then ends up in the bias direction is not surprising. So he's a career leftist yeah. hack, basically. Now, in, in, in reading that article on The Hill, uh, which had a nice little resume, did you see any accomplishments of Anthony Blinken, any successes? Um, well, I didn't look into his, like, success. I didn't uh, read that article that you sent, okay. I mean, like, this morning or something. But, okay, that's fine. Um, Let's say I gave you a lot of stuff. I don't, I don't has, you like, read a it all. career... Yeah. Dialetopedia has like a career list of what he's done, like career-wise, but not necessarily like um, policy decisions or anything like that. I know he was involved with like um, the Middle East, um, uh-huh. but I don't really know exactly all that he's done um, decision-wise. Position-wise, he says that he um, uh, founded West Tech Advisors, was a deputy secretary of state, deputy national security advisor. Deputy Assistant to the President, Democratic Staff Director, U.S. Foreign Relations Committee, a Senior Fellow, Center for Strategic and International Studies, member of the National Security Council in the Clinton Administration, and the Special Assistant to the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Canadian Affairs in the U.S. State Department. Hmm, it's pretty impressive. Name. I'm not, I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying that just see, is there anything in there? Can you name one foreign policy success? Name well, one policy that, that he was I brilliant in. I can't just in. because I don't know of any of his policy decisions. Okay. Well, I read the, the Hill article and there aren't any. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, just a, he's just a stooge. You know, he served in a bunch of different places, but he didn't actually do anything. This is what I found so fascinating. Uh, let's see if I can find you some of the, the quotes here. So the article I've got here is five things to know about Anthony Blinken, or Anthony Blinken, excuse me, uh, Biden's pick for, for state. And this is from eleven twenty seven twenty. So this is, this is uh, a month after, eh, three weeks after the election. Excuse me, the steal, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so they got him in the Hill, which I don't know if that's, that's a, a liberal or conservative source. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, so Blinken's been a longtime aide. So he, yeah. He says extensive background in foreign policy matters, which usually is covered for. He's not done anything. So the five things to know are, one, Blinken has years-long working relationship with Biden. Apparently, Biden's aide for years and years, so, so they're buds. Uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, Democratic Staff Director, yeah, he's all the stuff that you said. But I don't think he's qualified to do this job. But I don't think anybody in, in the, the idiocracy, the brand in idiocracy is qualified. They're all there for, uh, for diversity reasons. I mean, this is like one of the few white guys you know, in, the, uh, in the, the Brandon insurrection. But I, why would you put him up there? 
You know, he's the he's the the Secretary of State, supposed to be the the best diplomat, foreign policy advisor in the country today. That's just supposed to be Secretary of State. Of course, you know, Democrats have had Hillary Clinton, Madeleine Albright, who else have been Secretary of State? John Kerry. I mean, really stupid, horrible, manipulative, self-serving people. So why would we trust this guy to go to China? Mm. So Mm. it says, go ahead. But that's all I really have on kind of like that area of um, the Blinken and China visit. Um, I haven't read any more than that. Okay. But if I find more that's interesting, I can put it on for next week. But what I just find is a bunch of just random extra information that was kind of interesting. Um, okay. Let's go, let's go um, through One it. of the things with this, of whenever um, Blinken was saying that he that will no longer like support Taiwan's independence or such or whatever, you know, it made mm-hmm. me think of the Truman Doctrine. Now, I don't know if the Truman Doctrine is still in place, if it got revoked. I don't really know where that stands. But I remember it was like if any country is like uh, fearful of being invaded or, you know, they don't want to be invaded by communism, you know, they want to keep their freedom or their independence from communism, Mm -hmm. that the United Mm -hmm. States would step in and help. And I don't know if that's still in effect or anything, but, you know, the China... I don't know if people know this, but it is a communist country. Um, And if it's going to invade Taiwan, you know, that kind of fits the Truman Doctrine. But also, you know, there's a lot of um, pushback because, you know, a lot of people don't want the U.S. to intervene within other countries. And, um, you know, there's the whole deal with Ukraine. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Ukraine is just a complete mess. It never mm-hmm. should have happened. You know, there was no reason for it to have even started. Um, but I think what we did is we wasted a lot of power and money and stupid decisions into it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really putting a hindrance on us now because wasn't it that uh, – or buying oil from other people, but that was just because of our own stupid administration. But – I don't remember what kind of, like, ammunition of some sort um, that we were getting, but supposedly we were buying something from South Korea, which kind of confused me on why we would need to do that. Usually it's other people borrowing from us. But, you know, it's it, we were being put in kind of a tough position, and I don't know if that's what they're trying to make us believe or if it is true. But either way, I think there's been a lot of bad decisions around, and I'm not even sure if we're in a good position to help someone out. Like, I don't even know how much we have at this point. <laughs> yeah, now let's, let's think about the Truman Doctrine. Do you have, an, um, a, like, a statement on what it was? Because we can, we can – we'll, um, let's can start there and we'll kind of work forward. Yeah. Because I don't have the money. The Google yeah. Dictionary – says the principle that the U.S. should give support to countries or peoples threatened by Soviet forces or communist insurrection first expressed in 1947 by President Truman in a speech to Congress seeking aid for Greece and Turkey. And the doctrine was seen by the communists as an open open declaration of the Cold War. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Well, here's – let's go back to World War II. So World War II, we had – you know, Nazi Germany, uh, Imperial Japan, Fascist Italy, um, as the as the Axis powers, the good guys, us, United States, France, England, um, various other countries, 
uh, and allegedly Russia. Now, I was just watching or I was listening to – you should listen to the, um, the three-hour podcast when you get a chance with uh, Joe Rogan and, and Robert Francis Kennedy. And one of the things that uh, RFK pointed out is that his uncle, John Kennedy, you know, pointed out frequently to people that everybody says, well, the United States won World War II. Uh, well, yeah, against Japan with the, with the atomic bomb, but the real winners in Europe was Russia. Russia lost one in seven of their people. Russia lost 20 million. 80% of the men who were born in 1922 died because they turned 18 in 1940. 80% of the men born in, you imagine 80% of, of the men in the United States born in a particular year, you know, dying in a war. We have nothing to compare to that. Russia was fight, sending hundreds of divisions of soldiers. We, I think we had 20 divisions of soldiers in Europe. Russia had hundreds of divisions. Millions of people. In, uh, in Germany and Russia. And the weird thing that people also forget is that those were two, you know, totalitarian leftist governments. So you had the left fighting the left. So people that don't think the left fights the left, you know, they, they miss the whole point. So you had leftist Nazis versus leftist communists. So the left is not only violent against their own people, they're violent, violent against other countries of a very similar philosophy. You look at Nazism and communism, they're not that different. The, the biggest difference, I think, would be the, the racial component, the Aryan nation, the, you know, the, 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 for lack of a better term, white supremacy, or the Aryan supremacy of the Nazis. Much more ideologically driven as opposed to the communists, which are you know, power-driven, you know, alleged ideology of you know, no property we all share in this communal world, which is not true. It's just another totalitarian state. So those two were the battles. So the end of World War II, I was just reading about the Yalta Conference, and I'll go over this again in the third hour and talk about you know, the history of China. So the world ends in, so 1945, the war ends. It ends in Europe, in, I think in May. Uh, I think it ends in uh, Japan after, let me see, bomb was atomic, bomb was August 6th, and I think 10th. And I think within like a week or so, the war in, in Japan was over. So what happened after World War II? What's one of the, the most significant things that happened after World War II in terms of world government? the UN exactly so all the folks that wanted to have the League of Nations after World War One you know I, I, th- I can't wonder this is my conspiracy theory side said that they might have uh, you know part of World War Two was to you know create a world government so the UN's created in 1945 1947 is the Truman Doctrine right do you know what happened in 1949 Little timeline for you here. Um, maybe. <laughs> what happened in 1949 was Mao Zedong and the communists take over China from Chiang Kai-shek, which oh. leads to Taiwan. Okay, so so communist China is born. Now I'm going to talk about in the third hour how the United States basically made that possible. General Stilwell, uh, Douglas oh, MacArthur. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a great. It's the new American article. I've, I've already sent it to you. Yeah, you're going to find this fascinating. I'm going to go through the whole thing. So. The theory is, those that look at this say that had the United States not made it possible for the communists and Mao Zedong to take over China, there would have been no Korean War or Vietnam War. Because here's the way it worked. Another thing that happened in 1945 uh, when the UN was formed uh, was that um, Korea was split into North and South at the end of World War II. And I believe that was because Russia was sort of given a payment for coming in against, against Japan, which they only did for a few weeks. We already won the war anyway by then. 
So it's kind of stupid. But again, there's a lot of sympathy for communists in our government. And this is one of the big untold stories. You know, McCarthy, remember McCarthyism? There are communists everywhere. Well, here's the funny part. Yeah. He was right. He was right. There were communists everywhere. There were communists in our government. There were communists yeah. that, that uh, made uh, communist China possible. But had the, the plan was to, to have uh, Chiang Kai-shek you know, set up a republic, a constitutional republic. Because a, 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 you know, a uh, constitutional Taiwan, excuse me, China, would leave only one major communist country in the world, and that would be Russia. Well, what's Russia going to do if they've got, uh, you know, uh, you know a, not a Western style, but at least a, a republic of China on the southern border? They've got, a, you know, they've got you know, uh, constitutional republics in Europe, both Eastern and Western, on their, their eastern border. To the north is the Arctic, and to the west is the Pacific Ocean. They're kind of isolated. So where's Russia going to go? So that was the whole containment theory. Remember the containment? You ever hear a guy named George Kennan? He had this thing called the containment theory, and that was the idea, was that you want to contain communism. Okay, so the Truman Doctrine is really about containment. Do you know about the domino theory? Yeah. Okay. One nation falls to communism, all the rest of them will fall too. So we have to stop communism wherever? Well, if you're going to stop communism, why would you give half of North Korea to communist Russia and basically communist China later on? And what happened in 1950 was the Korean War. Korean War goes to 1953, right? Do you remember? Yeah. Also, I've always been a little bit confused about this because, okay. you know, all the time you hear that, you know, we lost the Korean War, right? Mm-hmm. Um, either that or it was like a form of stalemate, but you just thought we lost it. But when we went in there, um, now I might be completely wrong on this, so please let me know. But no, it's okay. Be, know, be wrong. It's it okay. Because... I mean, we'll 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 figure it out. We'll we'll look up sources. I, I make statements all the time, and then I have to look up. So it's okay because you can't remember everything. So don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. So. The parallel was drawn, and it split the two different countries, and it's all mm-hmm. just based on kind of, I mean, they're the exact same place, just different political ideologies, and then they split. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, um, I thought that America went to go and help out South Korea, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't they do it? Wasn't South Korea its own country? Well, that's what happened. So they split the two countries. did we do what we wanted to do? But, um, but here's the problem, though. Why were they split? This is the part I don't understand. We have to. We should do some research on this because why? I think they were split because that uh, these countries, Korea was destroyed in World War II by the Japanese, and so they were in a very weakened state. And I, I think part of the deal was as as they had it was at Yalta or somewhere else that as the world was being divided up and the maps were redrawn like they did after World War One. Um, this one of the biggest problems of wars is arbitrarily dividing up countries. That they split Korea into two different parts, North and South. So North was going to be controlled by Russia and I guess China. Um, and which would make them communist, and the South was going to be controlled by the United States, which would make them, you know, free free market republic or constitutional. Well, that that inherent conflict is guaranteed to bring about a war sooner or later, which it did five years later in 1950. So the so the war goes on, and there was a stalemate. It's never been officially declared over. The Korean War is still technically on, but there's a ceasefire, which is stupid. Why would, you, why would you have this go on all this time? It doesn't make sense. Trump was actually on his way to ending it. It's one of the reasons they, they, they had to politically get rid of him because he was going to end all their permanent war spending. See, the United States has to be at war somewhere. 
and it has to have trillions of dollars of spending. That's why I have a bill to get rid of all the borrowing, which will end a lot of these wars. Anyway, so Korea ends 1953. Guess what happens in 1954? You're going to love this. Vietnam is split into two countries. Oh, yeah. Well, why, given the experience in Korea, splitting Korea as payment, you know, for Russia coming in allegedly to help Japan and giving them control of, of North Korea, why would you be stupid enough to do that again in Vietnam, make half of it communist, the other half free, if your intentions are to avoid war and stop the communists? That'd be the worst thing to do because you guarantee a war. Having just fought a war because a country was split, why would you split another country at the end of it unless you intended for that country to be at war too? So is the Vietnam War a ceasefire, too? Nope. That's over. We lost that one. But we, we didn't, uh, but it was never declared. So here's another question. If the war is never declared, can you really win or lose it? We withdrew from it. We just left. And North Vietnam took over, and now it's Vietnam. By the way, Vietnam listens to our show. Vietnam has listened like, to, we have listeners in Vietnam. Are you saying, like, um, not approved by Congress? There was no declared – the last declared war, the last legal war that we fought was World War II. President Roosevelt went yeah. before Congress December 8th, day after Pearl Harbor. See, I think it's mm-hmm. – That's for a declaration a of war. war. Mm-hmm. I think it's still a war. They just went about it in the wrong way, like um, illegally, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think it would still count as a war, even though it wasn't done through the proper channels. Yeah, it wasn't a legal war. That's how I make a definition. So the last legal war was World War II, yeah. the last war where the president went to Congress and asked for a declaration of war, which he got, for obvious reasons. But when a president goes before Congress and asks for money for a military adventure that's not a war, are those legal? So then you get to the question, was Afghanistan or Iraq legal wars? I would say no, because there's no declaration of war. The Congress was not constitutionally allowed to spend money on a war because there was no declaration. That's how I look at it. I actually just learned something kind of interesting about, um, like, the war, like, right after 9-11. And honestly, I don't know that much in detail because I just kind of started reading the book. But mm-hmm. supposedly there was um, a man named, like, Wolf Tune or something. Here, let me see. I'm trying to figure out his name. But he was some kind of official within the government. Um, no, not a rabbi. Ah. He's a rabbi? I don't remember his name. You got the rabbi? No, oh, not rabbi. Uh, go ahead. What do we got here? Okay, come on. Tell me what you want. Um, <laughs> we need a rabbi for the he show, worked, by the like, within the, He worked within the government, but I don't remember what exact position he held. I'll just call him Wolf for now because I don't, I don't okay. know if Wolfson is right or anything. Hmm. But um, honestly, I've read a lot of their names. <laughs> but whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever 9-11 happened... Um, after it, they were trying to like figure out a way um, to go about it. Um, at first, they were just kind of like focused on Bin Laden, but Wolf was saying, "Hey, no, you guys, Saddam Hussein is the big problem. We need to focus on Saddam Hussein." And they're like, "Yeah, whatever, shut up. <laughs> we're not doing that. Our focus is on Bin Laden." And then I guess he 
um, came back and was like, hey, you know, if we do this and we go after Saddam Hussein, we can control this Iraq area. You know, we can have control in here. Um, we can be involved here. And they're like, oh, why didn't you say that the first time? Okay, let's do this. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> well, when was, when was the, <laughs> first, uh, the first Iraq war was George Bush the Elder. Uh, he his his totally wasted term was uh, eighty six to ninety, if I remember. Was it eighty six to ninety? Yeah, because Reagan was eighty to eighty six to eighty eight. Excuse me. No, his was eighty eight to ninety two. Clinton was ninety two to eighty. So George Bush the elder. So the first Iraq war. Uh, was before 9-11 by several years. It was uh, 88. Like sometime around 89, 1990 is when the first Iraq war was. And then we had the Clinton years, 92 to uh, uh, 2000. And then we had George Bush the Younger in 2000. And then we had 9-11 in September of that year. And then we had, uh, or was it 2000? No, I think it was 2001 because Bush was president. Yeah, he, the election was 2000. So 2001, we have 9-11. And then we had the second Iraq war, which wasn't more successful than the first one, based on the fact that um, we had terrorists blow up our World Trade Center, but they didn't come from Iraq or Afghanistan. Most of them were Saudi. And the money behind it and the organization behind it was not Osama bin Laden. It was Iraq. It was Iran that basically blew up our building. The same country that Obama is trying to give a nuclear bomb to, being a good Muslim. Okay, so it wasn't – I knew it was like about veering off to Iraq or wasn't Iraq, but right. I didn't know that it wasn't Afghanistan. I thought it was Afghanistan. But you said that it well, was Saudis by the pilots, Iran. The pilot – well, this is what Claire Lopez says, and Claire Lopez is a former CIA uh, field officer who specializes in the Middle East. So when Claire Lopez tells me that Iran was the major force behind uh, the 9-11 terrorist attacks, I believe her. She knows. I mean, she's got a ridiculously high security clearance and everything else. I'd love to get her back on the show. Um, but Claire told us about it. I can probably pull up the episode or you just look up, uh, you know, 9-11 or Iran or, or you know, anything like that. Um, we still got the records. You can, anybody can trace our shows. Just go to the top of the broadcast page and you'll find uh, something that uh, you'll find a little window in the center. You just put action radio, comma, you know, 9-11 or Claire Lopez or something like that, and all these things will show up. So that's how I find the shows, you know, past shows, because I'm always quoting past shows because we do such crazy stuff here sometimes. So Iran organized and funded it. Uh, I'm sure uh, Osama bin Laden was somehow involved with the planning. Um, I know the Bush family got Obama's, uh, Osama bin Laden's family uh, out of the United States. It was the only airplane that flew out of here after 9-11. All the other planes were grounded. But the one jet took off with uh, Osama bin Laden's family, so they left. And it's just there's something, you know, again, like everything else, there's just too many questions as to what's going on. But it was not – but then we attack Afghanistan? Why? Because they were allegedly harboring terrorists or Osama bin Laden was somewhere in Afghanistan when actually I think they found him in Pakistan? And then they said we had weapons of mass destruction in, in, in Iraq. We had to go to war with them because they had weapons of mass destruction, which they didn't have. That was a lie, too. Yeah, about that. Yeah, what about that? What are, aren't, nuclear, aren't nuclear weapons weapons of mass destruction? Well, yes, but also chemical and biological. 
under the definition. Huh? Yeah, pretty sure. Chemical and biological weapons. Nope, where'd you go? She dropped off to get her back again. We're having technical difficulties today. I hate that. Looks like the show is still on. I'm still on. She's not. So we need to get Brianna to call back in. Call back in, Brianna. Yeah, she should be back in, in just a second here, hopefully. Marco, what do you think of all this? Marco's listening in the Netherlands. See if we can get him in the conversation. I hate this, too, because we're really on a roll here. So let's see if I can. Uh, she's probably calling back now. Hopefully she can get in. Let's find out. Oh, there she is. Okay. All right. So let's find out. So did you hit a button and dropped, or did the did the show drop you? Um, I'm not. I know I didn't hit a button because it's hands free, but it may have disconnected or something. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm worried because we had problems earlier. Like I said, the show didn't connect at first. Uh, had me a little upset with that. And then we find out uh, he says he missed half. Oh, Marco says he missed half of it. Oh, he was probably working. Anyway, um, so, yeah, questions. Uh, 9-11, Obama, the, the, the reason for the war is, oh, weapons of mass destruction. And I think that's where we left off. Yeah. So I have so, a question about this because, uh-huh. yep. for in my mind, they said that they went in because they thought there would be weapons of mass destruction. Turns out there wasn't. There was only nuclear weapons. And in my mind, I was like, aren't nuclear weapons weapons of mass destruction? Like, isn't that why the whole reason that nuclear weapons are created? Yeah, but in other words, mutually assured destruction is one of the theories. No, Iraq never had nuclear weapons. That was never an issue. Nobody ever thought they did. So when they talked about weapons of mass destruction, that's like assault weapon. It's a a political term. There's no such thing as an assault weapon. In the military, uh, you know, lexicon, they've got, you know, uh, single-shot rifles, you know, you've got uh, bolt-action rifles, you've got semi-automatic rifles, you've got machine guns, which are fully automatic, you know, but you don't, there's no such thing as an assault weapon. There are, I think, assault, the closest thing would be the assault rifles, the old, which started with the German Sturmgewehr, which is the Stormbringer, which was the first um, multi-firing, you know, magazine, or I mean, a clip, or yeah, magazine-fed, you know, gun. This is, that was full auto. So like a submachine gun uses pistol caliber as a machine gun uses rifle calibers. That's the difference. There's no such thing as an assault weapon. In the same way, weapons of mass destruction, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It means weapons that can kill a lot of people. Well, artillery shells can kill a lot of people if you've got enough of them. But what they're really talking about is nuclear, chemical, and biological. But since we knew Iraq didn't have a nuclear program and didn't have nuclear weapons, you know, that, to say they did was kind of absurd. Right. But didn't they find nuclear weapons? Nope. They didn't find any weapons of mass destruction. Now, they did have chemical weapons because we knew that Saddam Hussein used them on the Kurds, which is a horrible thing to do. I mean, it's truly a despicable human being. But the question is, even there are lots of despicable human beings out there, you know, governing countries, but we don't go to war with all of them. And apparently, Iraq is in far worse shape because of our involvement there than it would have been if we just left them alone. Peanuts can kill a lot of people if they are if they are allergic. And what's the reason they're allergic? Vaccines. <laughs> it's true. The rise in vaccines is is gone with the rise in autism and peanut allergies and you know uh, asthma and everything else. You got to hear that podcast. I know we're kind of all yeah. over the place today, but the, the, oh yeah, you didn't know about that? Yeah, check out the Joe Rogan uh, RFK podcast. It's absolutely <laughs> fascinating. So, 
that's your original premise. <laughs> you know, um, I think personally that the reason Blinken's going to China is to get instructions for Joe Biden. Either it's money's coming back, a bribe is coming back. You know, uh, Joe Biden's going to, you know, get uh, some, you know, direction, you know, from Blinken as to what to do next to support China and destroy our country. Because that's what they're hell-bent on doing. I don't see any other, and there's no reason for Blinken to go to China unless it's a PR thing. But, you know, free people hate the Chinese anyway. So, so you're, not, you're not winning friends of your average American by going to communist China. That makes no sense. So they've got to be doing it for somebody. And I think the only reason is to do it for themselves. Yeah. All right. All right, let me ask you another question. We've got some different stuff. We've got a couple of minutes left. Um, have you been on the campaign, this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy? Do you know anything about him? Yeah. What do you know? Um, yeah, I don't know a lot, like, in depth. I know he's for, like... Um, abolishing different of the three-letter agencies. He calls out the left. Do you know which ones? Or a couple of examples? Um, I did before, but I, I forgot <laughs> okay. it. So he wants to eliminate some government. Right, so everybody, <laughs> everybody a, says that. You know. has, he, has he got any accomplishments under his belt? What has he done with his life and his mass 38 years of experience? I have no idea. Okay. So that's interesting, too. So he's not running on his business record because nobody knows what it is. Otherwise, that'd be common knowledge. If he started well, a big company. Into it. That's the only reason. I don't know. Okay. But, but see, a lot of times the news will tell you things like that. You know, in fact, if he'd done something miraculous, that'd be the thing they'd say. You know, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, the creator of, you know, <laughs> genophobia. You know, the great corporation that makes people scared of, of genetics. I don't know. But if he created a company, we'd know about it, right? What's the first thing you know about Bill Gates? What did he create? Nothing, but he owns Microsoft. Yeah, well, that's right. I thought he created Microsoft. Anyway, so Bill Gates owns Microsoft. So you know that. Yeah. Elon Musk? Elon Musk, billionaire. What's he done? What's his big claim? Um, cars and rockets and I don't know what he did before. Okay, so but you you can list his accomplishments pretty easily, right? How about major foreign policy successes of Joe Biden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if those exist. There, exactly, there aren't any. In fact, everything he's done is wrong. This is the one thing that everybody knows about. Oh, speaking of Joe Biden, did you did you see that? Uh, I'll, I'll go back to Swami in a minute. But did you see that uh, thing I found on on Joe Biden's primary uh, election records in Wikipedia? No, I do not. Okay, so that's in, that's in your stack of stuff. I, I sent you a lot of stuff this week. I'm sorry, but I, I was having too much fun. Uh, I found in Wikipedia, a, uh, I was looking up Biden. You know, like I say, asking the right question is everything. And I said, what was uh, you know, Biden's primary record in elections? And it turned, well, let me pull up right now because this, this is kind of fun. This will be more fun than Swami. Swami will get next week. Blinking, blinking, who lost China? This Ramaswamy will do that another time. Where is my, I've got like eight articles for today. Oh, here we go. Electoral history of Joe Biden. It's right up here. So this is Wikipedia, which is not your best source, but it is particularly here. So he's first elected in 1970, <laughs> you know, to the, um, the Newcastle County City Council. So 1970, I was 10 years old. 
<laughs> this guy's like, I'm still in Australia. And this is when he starts his electoral politics. I'm 10 years old. He's already elected into politics. All right. So we got Senate elections. Da, 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 da. Let's get to primaries. Uh, presidential primaries, 1984 to 1988. 1984. Do you know uh, what uh, Biden got? Uh, what his popularity was in the, the Democrat National Convention? How many votes did he get from Democrats? Or what percent? Just to pick a percent. I don't know. 0.03. 1984 Democratic 0.03. National Convention. 0.03. Biden got 0.03%. This is in your article. All right. 1988. This gets better. 1988 Democrat National Convention presidential tally. Of the delegates, how many did Joe Biden get? 1988. Are you ready? One. No, you're close. Two. 0.05%. He increased from 0.03 to 0.05. All right. And, and this is the guy that allegedly won in 2020. 2008, New Hampshire Democrat primary, vice presidential primaries. Joe Biden gets percentage. Are you ready? Take a guess. Mm-hmm. 0.04. No, he actually improved. 1.41. New Hampshire primary. So these are voters. These aren't delegates. So, so the conventions are delegates. Those are the real Democrats, right? So the, the, so the primary, New Hampshire primary, in, in 2008, when he ran for president, he got 1.41% of the New Hampshire vote. That's nothing. <laughs> okay. 2008, also, Democrat I mean, primary. Go ahead. But, you know, also, whenever you learn about the history of, like, Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln went through a lot of losses before he became president. Uh-huh. And a lot yeah, of but it we, was kind of circumstantial, but. Yeah, but no one's challenging whether Abraham Lincoln cheated, as far as I know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, that, so that's the difference. We know he cheated. But, what it, but here's where it gets really weird, though. And so, uh, so 2008. Uh, Democrat uh, Party presidential primary, Joe Biden gets 0.19 percent, 0.1. He gets like uh, basically 0.2 percent. So one fifth of one percent, <laughs> you know, uh, Barack, uh, Obama gets 49 percent. Big difference. 2008 Democrat Party presidential primary, Joe Biden gets 0.2 percent. So he actually is improving <laughs> eventually. 2008 presidential election. Oh, I, I won't count that because he was running with Obama. Do, 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 do. And then all of a sudden, 2020, okay, so, so you go from the uh, 2008, no, when was the last one he ran independently? No, so he ran for a presidential primary party candidate. Hillary Clinton won um, in uh, 2008, but lost to Obama, right? <clears throat> so she wins the party convention, but somehow Obama wins, wins the election, which is interesting. I don't know what happened there. Obviously, they cheated. But he goes from nothing in 2008, in the presidential primary, he gets 0.19%. All right? And then he goes in 2020, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he gets 51.79, he gets 52%. How do you go from, from less than 2% to 51% in the very next primary he runs as president in eight years? Was he that popular that all of a sudden... He beat out Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Michael Bloomberg, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Tulsi Gabbard, Tom Steyer, Andrew Yang, uh, Michael, who nobody knows, and Julian Castro. He beat out all those people by a lot. 
So in the 2020 Democrat presidential primaries, he got, Joe Biden got 19,076,052 votes, 51% of all the primary votes. Bernie Sanders only got 9 million. Bernie Sanders got 10, after campaigning his whole life, you're right, Bernie Sanders gets 10 million votes less than Joe Biden. That's impossible. Right? Yeah. All right. We got Josie in the line right before we get to her. Last question. Swami, <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy. He says he wants all the Republican candidates to promise to pardon President Trump if they get elected. What's wrong with that? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What, what struck you on that? Then I'll get to what to see. And it was kind of interesting that he was, you know, spelling it out for all of them to do it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if they become president. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, it, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's good to want to do something right and influence other people to do something that's right. But it's another thing to kind of, um, I don't know, kind of force people into a corner of it. But also, I don't know, it was kind of mixed on it. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Do you it's pardon like innocent people or guilty people? Yeah. Do you pardon innocent people or guilty huh? people? Do you pardon innocent people or guilty innocent? people? No, innocent people don't have to be pardoned. They're innocent. No, no, no. You only pardon guilty people. Oh, I thought like pardoning is for like um, letting, like if someone was convicted, you let them out. Right. Why would you let out a criminal? If they're convicted, they're they're guilty. Now, if you appeal and get a a decision overturned, that's different. That's exonerated. So if someone is proven innocent, even though they were initially found guilty, that's exonerated. That's not pardoned. Nixon was pardoned. Everybody knew Nixon was guilty, but he was pardoned for the good of the country, so he didn't suffer through it. So why would you pardon Trump? If you're pardoning Trump, aren't you assuming guilt? And if you're assuming guilt, what the hell are you doing running in the Republican primary? And why would you assume that Trump is not going to win? I mean, this, this whole thing stinks. You don't pardon innocent people. So why would, you, why would you make a claim to make people promise to pardon somebody? What they're assuming is Trump is guilty and is going to be found guilty. This is against Trump. This is well, a I mean, self-candidate against Trump. That's what I'm thinking. That could be the case. But, I mean, also it may just be, you know, seeing the corruption and saying, oh, well, there's a possibility this could happen and maybe trying to actually do something good. I'm not sure exactly the motivation for it, but. But wouldn't you say, Jesse, I promise I'll get to you next. We'll get you, we'll, we'll get you our official end here. But wouldn't you say that Trump is innocent and we're going to fight these charges? Why would you say you're going to pardon Trump if he's found guilty of these charges? See the difference? Yeah. Okay. And Last I'm not comment? sure if it was intended that way or not, but. Um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. But <laughs> yeah, we'll take we'll pick this up next week. Whether you think it's intentional or not, I obviously think it is. All right, let's get your sign off. Thank you very much. Wonderful report this week. And of course, you're always welcome to stick around. And uh, I'll get to Josie. All right, um, this is Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry on Action Radio. Goodbye. Right. Goodbye. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, 
living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cosby knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border. From personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Buenos dias, chica. ¿Qué pasa? Buenos dias. Good morning, everyone. Dobre ultra. Guten Tag. How are you? Das with you. Mm-hmm. Ni hao. <laughs> what else we yeah, got? Yeah, I heard... We need more languages. Well, how do you say hello in Indian? I, I need to learn more, I guess. <laughs> yeah. NJ, it's Creek for hello. You know, anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll learn more. Busy week this mm-hmm. week. We're being sold out to China. Busy, huh? Uh, money's going to Ukraine. Uh, you know, our country is uh, yeah. being destroyed internally by a, by a corrupt illegal administration. Other than that, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm. Other than that... Everything is normal. The crops are added again, so you know mm-hmm. they haven't stopped actually. So, mm-hmm. and uh, if you notice, uh, there's a lot of young. Uh, they're military Chinese coming in our country because they're going to be boots on the ground for China here, and the American people are not doing anything about it. They're just letting them come in. They're blending well, in with the crowd. That's a good point. What can the American people do about it? You know, if we start shooting illegal aliens crossing the border as citizens, they're going to say, that's murder. You're taking the law into your own hands. You can't do that. You know, the federal government can have uh, any um, impact or control of the border. And since they're specifically taking down the border and bringing in uh, military age Chinese males, mm-hmm. what can the American people do about this at yeah, this point? Yeah, all males are coming in. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, now, if that, they're going to form... not only Chinese... And not only Chinese, Greg, but there's a lot of terrorists coming in. Of course there are. The terrorist attacks are going to start. It's only a matter of time. And I hate to say that, but they're going to start. Yeah. And, and they're, yeah. going to, they're going to hide the fact that they're illegal aliens, that they're Brandon's illegals, and they'll do what they usually do, whitewash it, and, and call you a white supremacist if you say that, you know, Brandon's illegals are causing terrorism. Of course, they're, they're going to. That's so here's cool. my question, though. Um, mm-hmm. the China, let's, talk about, let's talk about Chinese military. So we know China has a problem has a massive problem because they aborted all the girls. So they have millions of excess Chinese yeah. men. So are they getting rid of, are they bringing the Chinese men to the United States as an armed force or are they just getting rid of it to try and redress yeah. the balance so that the, the Chinese men that are there, you know, have a chance at Chinese women and they can actually have families and more Chinese folks. So is it a, a family? Not just regular civilian. This is like an army coming in government. Oh yeah. Okay. This is so where are they going? Just- There might be a few escaping uh, Mm -hmm. the lifestyle of China, but a lot of them are being sent by the government and uh, organized by uh, Obama, actually. Okay, so let's follow you that know, through then. So, so yeah. if, it's, if it's not getting rid of excess Chinese males because they killed all their, their girl babies, then it's an army. They're coming here. They're going to have to mm-hmm. be organized somehow, which means they're going to have to go somewhere together. So then the next mm-hmm. question is, is there any evidence of camps being set up, of training in the desert, of U.S. military advisors under Obama slash Brandon 
any kind of coordinated efforts? Are there, are there anything going on uh, that might be the military nature that maybe doesn't look military, like dune buggy races in the desert? No, I, with actual military I don't have any is, evidence of that. Okay, so we've got the Chinese coming in. This is where we stand now. So I always like to put it in perspective. So we know there are Chinese military-age males coming into the country. We don't know if they're coordinating or grouping together yet. Are they forming communities like the illegal Hispanic folks are doing? There's some places in in, in Texas which are like no-go zone illegal Mm -hmm. alien communities now, right? Yeah. Have you heard about those? Tell me about those. Tell me what you know about those. I'm kind of curious. Uh, no, I don't know much about those. Let's take about. a look at that. The, 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 like, Texas, note, you maybe. mean? Yeah. Take it, maybe maybe it make a note you... and tell me. And I bet you it's on Spanish radio. I bet you it's on Central uh, South American radio or, or news that there are communities. It's like the, the, the Somalis in uh, Minnesota. It's like a no-go zone. Oh. Yeah. But, I, but yeah. there are Texas like, illegal like alien communities. Yeah. What's, what's going on in Miami? Yeah, they they have uh, each each country has a little area like little Haiti, uh, little Havana. You know, is that what you're talking about? They yeah, but us gringos, we can, we can go to yeah, but us gringos can go to little Havana. It's, it's not banned. It's not like uh, little Somalia yeah. or little little Mogadishu up mm-hmm. in Somalia, where if you're not Somali, if you're not Muslim, you know they don't want you there. They don't want the, yeah. the police. They don't want the government. Want so that's that's what we call a no-go zone. In other words, a place that's taken over by people that have no business yeah. in our country. You know, creating an area where only they can go, which is illegal. Mm-hmm. So I in, can ask in, my girlfriend. She lives in Texas. Let me ask my girlfriend. You know. Yeah, we yeah. have to do it now. I'll I'm, I'm just. I'll ask I'm curious. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if that's happening, yeah. and I think it is. Mm-hmm. Then, and I can't look up stuff right now. Apparently, we're having a little internet trouble, trouble with the show today. Uh, my my websites aren't forming, so I'm not going to mess with them. I'll just keep, I'll just go with the ones I've already got, uh, which is yeah. fine. I got plenty of information. But uh, I'm curious because I've heard about this that there are illegal alien towns almost being set up in Texas. There's so many illegals that they're forming their own communities. Now, to me, that just mm-hmm. makes them easier to well, deport. Okay. You just take the whole town and ship them to the border. But you know, that's just me. That's what I was going to report about New York City and Chicago this morning. Uh, illegals hmm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chicago uh, mayor, whoever's in charge in that city, um, all the schools that they closed during COVID or any school that they shut down, they reopened them for the illegals. So the illegals are sleeping in the schools and they brought them mattress, they gave them everything. So they have a place to to be there, and I I think they're spending. Uh, this guy was reporting they're spending like thirty seven thousand per night uh, to feed them and and give them everything they need. Uh, Why are they doing that? For food and yeah, but they don't have any obligations to these people. Yeah. But why do they want them here? And that's in Chicago. Yeah, that's in Chicago. So, so in Chicago. Schools. Let's think about Chicago. Chicago already has a huge gang problem. You've got uh, young black yeah. men killing other young black men by the hundreds. They just had a shooting on Juneteenth. Yeah. I think six people were shot. And yet they're importing a whole bunch of illegal yeah. aliens to make their problems worse. They're not going to make them better. Yeah. Uh, so why would they, why would they do that? Some people in Chicago are fed up with, they're fed up with all the illegals everywhere in Chicago now. And in New York City, uh, 
and the Times Square uh, fancy hotels, beautiful. Like, I don't know how many rooms that hotel has, but there's a few fancy ones. They have about 5,000 illegals among two or three of the hotels in the area. Wow. And it is a disgrace. It is a disgrace totally in those hotels. They have so many illegals. They're destroying the rooms. Some of the housekeeping, they said they're afraid to even go clean the rooms. Um, there is a lot of children, 10 years old, getting drunk in some of these hotels in New York City. Uh, they're probably going to be in rape and you name it in there with all these people in there. How are they getting and drunk? And some of the parents. Are they raiding the mini bars or something? Or how are they're they getting, getting drunk, drunk by the adults, yeah. They're, they're making the little children drunk. And uh, a lot of the parents, it seems like they're going to get jobs, you know, cleaning houses or whatever, and they leave the 10-year-old children unattended in the hotel. So it is it is like Sarah and Gomorrah in those hotels literally right now. And, uh, and so why are they allowing these people in? Uh, these are private hotels. They don't have to take people in. The government is forcing them. They don't, how, how, they they don't have much choice. Can't. How do they force them? But they are. Yeah, well, they're, no. all, they're, all, they're all working together. Well, now they may want to take the them mayor, in. They may want to take them for the money, but they can't force them. Government can't force you to take people well, that can't pay their bill. Yeah, the government is giving them lots of money, so money, the green. You know, that's what I hate about a lot of American people. Uh-huh. It's all about the money, 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 money. They're money hungry. I mean, they're willing to sell their country. For money, money, money. Mm-hmm. It's no, I agree. Disgusting. But, but anyway, look at look at what's happening with all these doctors in in in, uh, in hospitals. Money, money, money. They're betraying their own brothers and sisters in America for mm-hmm. this money, billions of dollars. Kill them with vaccine. I was just at my doctor's office a couple of days ago. They still have those big signs. In the uh, in the waiting area, not in the waiting area, in each room, encouraging pregnant women to get the shots that is safe for their baby. And I reached like three or four people while I was in different areas. I was in one area and then another area waiting for my ultrasound. And I was talking to people about it. Do not get the vaccine while you're pregnant or anytime. Mm-hmm. And I said, even if I get in trouble, I don't care. And then I talked to a couple of the nurses helping me. One nurse, she says, I only want, I only got one shot, and I had a lot of side effects from it. And then another girl, she said, I'm not getting no shot. No way. So, you know, we were talking about it. Uh, so I said, I'm willing to get in trouble. I'm willing for them to kick me out. But eventually I believe I have to change doctor because I don't want to continue seeing my own doctors that they're involved in this criminal killing of innocent people. And, you know, they put you in fear, like, oh, your baby really needs to be protected from people sick and all that. Yeah, right. It's all a lie. But anyway, going back to New York City, mm-hmm. um, it is it is horrible what this government is doing in, on the, you know, with hotels. They're destroying the beautiful hotels in Times Square area. And also the mayor... I don't know if I mentioned this last time. He's almost like 
demanding that people that have three or four bedroom home in the outside area of New York City because everybody's in apartments in the you know in the city. Um, he wants for you to open the doors for the illegals, and the government will pay you for it. It is it is a disgrace. This is a disgrace. What this government, corrupt, criminal, communist, no good government is doing to U.S. citizens, and this is this is sad. There was a few black men saying, "We don't even get that treatment in, in, for us," and they're doing everything for illegals. So they're kind of like waking up a little bit, but it might be a little too late in their areas, you know. But uh, the agenda is to help the illegals, and you have to do everything that it takes to help them. And that's why they're flying here by millions. They're coming in by the millions every day. Every but it's day interesting. Coming in. But it's interesting they're going to New York and Chicago, which already has enough liberals. So it's not like you, you know, it's like the, yeah. they're, they're bringing them in. We, you know, the, the theory is they're bringing in all these people to go into Republican districts, you know, so that they can uh, sway the vote and make them Democrat districts. But they're not doing that. They're going to liberal areas because the, the conservative areas don't want them. You know, they have to actually work for a living. They don't, they don't have the welfare. You know, you don't see them going to Miami. Maybe some. You know, especially uh, well, there's you know, plenty but, in Miami. Yeah, but I mean, because it's a big city, but you got a conservative mayor. Miami's not flooded. We don't hear about anything like New York, New York and Chicago. And I would yeah. say, I don't know, I haven't heard from San Francisco or Los Angeles, but I imagine they're pretty bad also because they're bad anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and probably Portland and Seattle, yeah. you know, Detroit, Chicago. Where, what are the other big liberal cities? Um, Minnesota? Well, uh, Minnesota, there's a lot. Minneapolis, yeah. excuse me. Minneapolis is the city, yeah. Minneapolis, so Minneapolis yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where, where George Floyd overdosed yeah. on drugs and they blamed the, the cop, you know. But they're having problems. Exactly. But it's the, but it's the liberal city. See, but, everything's, you know, unintended consequences. George, Love unintended consequences. So the liberal cities are being invaded. George Floyd, George Floyd is not dead. You'll see at the end. He's alive. Okay. He's not dead. Well, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't think I buy that one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just like, that's okay. Look, just like the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma bombing, New York City, the shooting in the schools, the shooting in uh, uh, Las Vegas, the shooting at the gay bar, the shooting in El Paso. It's all organized by our government, all of it. Pearl Harbor was organized by our own government. Our own government did it. And I won't be surprised if our government did what happened in Chernobyl. I'm waiting for that one. Yeah, so I don't think the government's that good. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Let's talk about Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor is really interesting because I believe that the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. They planned it. They executed it, and they got away with it um, because Not Roosevelt let them. Planet. I don't think. No, I don't think. Uh, I don't think. No. Well, now we didn't attack Pearl Harbor. The Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, and that's pretty well documented. Yeah, but our, so the, our government will organize the whole thing. But how yeah, did they? All right, wait. wait, wait, wait let's, let's get uh, let's get a line here. Did our government under Roosevelt coordinate the attack with the Japanese, or did they just yes. make use of it? Yes. How did they coordinate it? Yes, they coordinated. Well, it, it eventually everything. I don't have all the 100% details, but I'm listening to more and more people and military people talking about going to the moon. It's all a joke. Uh, tunnels on the ground. I don't believe you. With <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. The whole yeah. thing. But so, so what's your this, what's your source on this? 
What's the overall big source? Different videos. You you see uh, you see David uh, from X22 TV, uh, Truth and Art TV. There's Mm -hmm. all the people talking about it. Uh, I mean, there's so many people. The different shows that I watch, uh, they're they're coming out with a lot of stuff. It's just crazy. I know it sounds crazy. And uh, actually, it does. It does sound crazy. but there's two sources. There's two sources. There's the there's like like QAnon's been been resurrected. We used to do a QAnon report with a lot of different things. But the the old QAnon made sense. The new QAnon is is some of the stuff you're talking about. Uh, the the moon landing didn't that's happen. That's not no QAnon. You know. It's the same. Same thing. No, okay. no, no. There's right. no. Well, there's no I looked QAnon into it. New one. There's no QAnon. It's the same. Same one. Okay. Well, that's good. No, I'm saying there's oh. no new one. It's still the same. Well, that, that's okay. Yeah. But the question, all right, so in that case, then, uh, but the message has changed. I guess there's new things coming out. But some of the things that you talk about are some of the things I'm reading, you know, that they were saying QAnon was talking about. And the other one is the state sovereignty folks. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, that uh, you mm-hmm. can be in the state sovereign, you don't have to pay taxes, you don't have to have a driver's license and stuff like that. So those seem to be the major uh, areas of different theories. Now, I believe, as far as Pearl Harbor goes, that, no, the United States did not coordinate that with Japan. They're not that stupid. Um, but Japan definitely attacked Pearl Harbor. But the question is, did we know about it? And I would say, yes, we did. Because we'd already broken the Japanese code. There's no reason that Roosevelt didn't know about it. In fact, the reason that they sent the carriers out, the aircraft carriers, is because they knew they needed them for the war. But most of the people don't realize this. Most of the ships that were destroyed, the battleships, were World War I surplus battleships. So what Japan attacked were ships that we didn't need anyway. They sunk, they sunk our yeah. World War I battleships. But that was necessary we, to look like be- enough damage to get us into the war. We believe, we believe that all the wars, they've been created by our government. And this is, this yeah. is worldwide, too. See, Not see, just but our government America. wasn't that big. See, our government wasn't that big until after World War II. Did we create World War I? I don't think so. Yes. How? All of them. All of them. Nah, I don't believe it. They have. Doesn't make sense. Nah, it doesn't make sense. Well, yeah. They create Here's words. Because we weren't that big a country. They create words to go fighting, to kill, to kill Americans. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, uh, we... It's, the corruption has been so deep way back. You know, 56 years, in 1956 mm-hmm. or 56 years ago, they planned this COVID thing. They're very patient, these criminal communists radical left they are very patient they created this killing of innocent people with this vaccine years ago i thought it was only 20 years but it's not i was wrong it's about 56 years they created all this whole thing it's it's very sad but these people are evil evil Mm. to the core and you know all these people playing this uh, game right now obama biden uh, Bill Gates, George Soros, especially Biden right now, uh, all these people are, are selling their country. They're getting billions and billions of dollars through so many years. It's been going on for so many years. That's why all these losers, they go in government and they never leave because it's so good. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they've been cheating through all the elections way back, all of them. Because, oh, he just lost by this little bit, or he just won by this. They make it to be so close. 
and they've been fooling the American people for so many years. And they've been behind this whole cheating, selling their own country. And, and, and what happens when people commit treason? You take them down. Bye-bye. No longer you will exist. There's no time to be going through trials and all that. No. We've got full But you can't do that, though. This Biden. is still America. No, but you, see, you can't do that. We still have a constitution that even, so even the worst criminal has, has due process. What, What's that? What happens when they... They, they, they do treason to America. What, you still what get a happens? trial. You still what get a trial. The reason you give them a trial, trial is not to what? protect them, it's to protect the honest people. Because if you can take you know, someone that can be blamed as the worst traitor. I mean, there are people that think that Trump is a traitor. They think he's guilty of all these felons. They want to convict him without a trial, put him in jail so he can't run for president for the good of the country. They'll make that exact same argument that you're making. So that's the problem. No, no. So you've got to stick, you've got to stick we to principle. We've got evidence. We got evidence yeah, but, uh, 100% then presented, of the then presented a trial. Obama. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not guilty, but I'm saying is you still presented a trial. So what, Why are you, you, what, do when they, what, what are you going to do when they found guilty? What are you going to do? Just put them in prison? And are, you for, are you for the death penalty? On them? Are you for a death penalty? Yes, for, I am. For, okay. Yes, I am. Yes. Yes. And some of these people know what they have done to this country. They have murdered so many innocent people with this COVID shot mm-hmm. worldwide. This is not just in America. This mm-hmm. is worldwide that they're murdering so many people to have miscarriage, uh, strokes, heart attacks. Uh, I mean, you name it, all these people are bleeding with different things in their face and mm-hmm. like, like leprosy from some of these vaccines. It is, this is a Holocaust live and people are watching it happen this is you don't have to be in germany to murder six million jewish people and i think america was behind that too and behind chernobyl i can hardly wait for everything to be released everything yeah yeah i I just i think you're gonna be disappointed i think you'll be disappointed because you know why chernobyl happened chernobyl happened because russians did not put Hang on, no, wait a minute. There's a difference. Do you know the difference between Russian nuclear plants and American nuclear plants? There's a huge difference. Our country stand behind with Chernobyl. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, but but wait they're, a minute. But behind, what's the, what's the they're difference? Behind, they're there's, behind no, no. This 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 is important. There's a huge okay, difference well, in construction between a Russian nuclear plant and an American nuclear plant, and this explains Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Do you know the big differences? No, you tell me. I don't know. Containment. See, American nuclear plants have like three feet thick concrete to contain the nuclear material in case of an accident. The reason that Three Mile Island was not such a big deal. And I was in college during Three Mile Island. Remember Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Three Mile Island? Yeah, I remember the Three Mile okay, Island. Okay, yeah. we were worried about a meltdown, worried about release of nuclear material. In fact, those of us in college, I was in college at the University of Massachusetts. I was just upwind, up the, right mm-hmm. up the Connecticut Valley from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We, we were packed up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. We had a gas in our tanks. We had, our, our, we had a bag packed, and if, it, if they had released radiation, we were, we were all set to evacuate. We did not want to be mm-hmm. radiated by, by Three Mile End, but it didn't happen. Why? Because they contained it. So there was a containment vessel. So all that concrete around the nuclear plant, around the generator, and the nuclear fuel contained it. Now, you probably still can't go in. You may not be able to walk in there for a thousand years. I don't know. Nah, I don't know. Um, but but, but here's the thing that Russian 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's the difference, though. Russian nuclear plants do not have containers. They do not have all that extra concrete because, you know, according to the Russians, you know, their, their, their plants don't have problems or melt down. Well, yeah, they do. Now, Chernobyl, what's interesting about Chernobyl is it's in the Ukraine. I thought it was in Russia. I didn't realize that Chernobyl was in, in the Ukraine. Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So now, now, now that, mm-hmm. that's interesting to me, okay? So we got, a Russia, we got a Russian-built nuclear plant in Ukraine that does not have containment, yep. that does not have the same concrete to restrict radiation if there's a nuclear meltdown or a nuclear accident. So consequently, when there was at Chernobyl, where the radiation, there was nothing to stop it. So out it went, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So now, yeah. did the United States well, cause that, or did the Russian... The Russian yes. stupidity and not having containment caused Chernobyl. So that's no, the question. I don't think I don't think it was the Russian at this point. Me, my personal uh, opinion is our country did it, and uh, a lot why? of why 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 would our country why would our country destroy a, because a they're Russian evil nuclear. they're evil they're they're behind all the wars all the wars all the disasters. I mean, but even evil people wide. have to have a Our purpose. Country? Even evil people need a purpose. I don't know what's the purpose. The purpose to eliminate hmm. people. Look at they want seventy-five percent of our military to be dead from these vaccines, and they have forced them, and they own our children. Once you sign up to be in the military, you belong to them. It's mm-hmm. it's horrible and sad to hear a lot of young people say they own us. We didn't have any choice. Yeah, my son. Actually, they do have a choice. Apparently, they, they've been told that you belong to us. You don't have a choice. Yeah. So some of the military escaped without the shots, thank God, and uh, they're going to live. They're going to mm-hmm. live. But uh, mm-hmm. now a lot, a lot of them are being forced to get the flu shot now, you know, and they're innocent. And the flu shots are fully contaminated with AIDS virus, according to Judy Mikovich, Dr. Judy. And... Uh, these people are oh, HIV? They've, yeah. been, they've, been, mm-hmm. they've been spiking all the vaccines, all children's vaccines throughout the 60 years ago. They've been spiking it. So you can have uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, cancer, uh, heart murmur, kidney failure, death syndrome. I mean, the list goes on and, and cancer. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And this has been going on for a long time. So what's the difference of them blowing up Chernobyl? I've been about seven miles away from Chernobyl, actually, uh, uh, distributing uh, those shoeboxes for children for Christmas. 5,000 children showed up. We were allowed only like seven miles far away from Chernobyl plant. Uh, but uh, this 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 whole thing with the Ukraine, this whole thing, it seems like Russia has been suffering for so long, putting up and putting up and putting up. And I'm not trying to call Putin a little saint, you know, <clears throat> but they've been putting up for so many years of all the evil that this country's been creating. And, you know, I love America. I'm willing to give my right arm mm-hmm. for this country. But the evil that's been running our country has to stop. And it will stop. Nothing can stop what's coming, and it will happen. And I can hardly wait. Every day, every day I'm praying for it. And uh, a lot of these people, uh, 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 they know their game is over, so they're trying to do everything that they can. Their agenda is to blame and accuse Trump about everything. 
Trump is squeaky clean. Let me tell you about that. If not, the intelligent military would not hire him. And they want they want to get their hands on Donald Trump and put him in prison to kill him. That's that's the agenda that they have right now. And you know when Hillary Clinton was running for president, she couldn't be arrested because you're not supposed to uh, uh, do anything like that uh, when a person is running. Election uh, integrity. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they can do nothing to arrest Hillary from Benghazi, what she did uh, with Obama to create Benghazi attack and murder our uh, ambassador in Benghazi. They, it was all well organized. CNN was right there. How did CNN know exactly what was going to happen? Um, so... Oh, I've still got, I've still got the the stand down orders. I mean, we, I don't know if you remember that call. Those two calls that came in that day. I was doing a show on Benghazi back at WBY, and two callers called in who were military, and said, "Yeah, we had stand down orders. One was in the Mediterranean, the other was in Italy." Uh, I've still got that show. Let me see if I can uh, stand oh, wow. see how long it is. Yeah, it's right. It's right. Uh, but you know, uh-huh. you have to show the American people with their own eyes. Because a lot of people don't believe it unless you show them with their own eyes. Yeah. And and, and just like that in Thomas, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So this is where we at. Uh, Donald Trump is orchestrating everything. I mean, it's just so much that it come out. The American people, I don't think they're going to be handle it. They they're not going to be able mm-hmm. to handle it. To be honest with you, so much information that they're going to be releasing. And I don't know when it's not going to happen. Hopefully it happens so what's, before the end what of the year. What are they waiting for? What's, uh, what, is, what are you hearing about what they're waiting for? What is the right time? How do they define the right time to release all this information and arrest all these people? How is that defined? Well, uh, the child trafficking evidence and videos and everything will be released. The death yeah, but when, of JFK no, there's a movie coming will out. be released. The, there's, a, there's a movie coming out on child sex trafficking. Well, I'm not talking I about what it's a called. movie. I'm talking about. Well, I, you just asked me. I'm telling you. So, okay. the death of JFK, Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, the wars, all the wars that they've been orchestrating, uh, any top secret uh, uh, paperwork Donald Trump has already uh, taken care, of so the whole world can can go see it. Uh, I believe. Uh, TikTok is not owned by China. At first, I thought it was. This is my opinion, of course. I believe it's being controlled by Donald Trump because it's a lot of stuff that is being released through TikTok and to get all the young people to see what really happened. There's a lot of stuff coming out, what they're doing to our food, to what they're doing to child trafficking, how they're torturing little kids, uh, adrenochrome, I mean, so much is coming out through TikTok that you don't see anywhere else, anywhere else, not even in truth uh, platform from Trump. Well, TikTok's really popular. So now, TikTok, you can make your own videos, right? You can release your own TikTok videos. I'm not really familiar with how it works. But you can make your own, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you can make your own, yeah. then you make your own. unless they're censoring Nobody you. Nobody controls you. So why is TikTok no, not controlled then? Because it comes from China. The Chinese Communist Party runs it, and they get the information from it. So why is it so wide open I don't now? think so. That's kind of interesting. Okay. 
Yeah, because Trump wants all the young people because see they're brainwashing all the young kids. But now young people are seeing all these videos and like what? And and since it's kind of like like young people saying they're releasing so much information, a lot of information is being released like underground child trafficking, underground all this. And they're like, what? I didn't know that. Even my daughter, she, she said, oh, my God, Mom, look at this. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a, they're little short videos that you not, don't get bored. There's a lot of information to what, take Like out. a three-hour show? A lot of stuff. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So, like like so, my three hours on radio? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're getting to the young people. Uh, I'm pretty sure Trump is behind this. Like Trump is behind working with El Salvador. A lot of people don't know about it uh, because by himself he never would have been able to do it. Never, never. So what's the going on in El Salvador? Salvador. That's, you, you know, that's one of my fascinations is El Salvador because it's like the shining yeah. example of what what freedom can do. And so El Salvador. I think they don't want because it it, it proves to the socialists and the communists that America is not unique in freedom. Anybody can have freedom. All you have to do is have a constitution, a limited government, uh, a free market, and uh, individual rights. That's it. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. And you can have a country like the United States or you can have a country. So what's going on in El Salvador? What's the the latest down there? Because you know I'm I'm quite fascinated with the place. Well, every day that goes by, they're hunting down a lot of MS-13s and they're putting them in prison, and they're putting them to to do a lot of work. So they're creating things. They're making things with their hands. They're not just in prison like our prisoners, that they sit on their butt with computers to to uh, scam a lot of Americans. And that's, what that's what our prisoners are doing because they all have free computer and free money, free this, you know. Mm. The prisoners in El Salvador, they're really working hard. And they've been told what to do and how to do it, and uh, and it, so they're they're uh, selling a lot of property for a lot of money right now. This country, a lot of people want to go to El Salvador. They're buying homes, and the prices are going up and up and up and up. Interesting. I have talked to some people from El Salvador. Yeah, I have talked to some people from El Salvador, and they said, "Man, the streets are safe. We cannot believe it. We can go here. We can go there." We're, we're not afraid anymore because even the, the vendors in the street, they're, they're mm-hmm. so poor making tortillas or tacos or whatever, little fast food in the street. They were being blackmailed by the MS-13 or the cartels, but mainly the MS-13. You know, they were blackmailing all these people. You have to give me like 100, 100 pesos or whatever the money is in each country over there uh, in Central America. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to give me such an amount of money, and the woman can barely make any money making tortillas. So it's it's safe. It's, the malls are getting bigger, and Americans are going to invest money. A lot of people are going over there this is to we talked uh, about. buy uh, homes. This is exactly yeah. what we talked about, is that mm-hmm. Trump should go down to El Salvador and have an economic free market plan, yes. bring in a ton of money, a ton of jobs, and show that freedom works. It's yes. not that freedom works in the United States. Freedom works everywhere. As long as you have a constitution, mm-hmm. a limited government, uh, individual rights, and you can accumulate property, property. That's all you need. It's not that hard to be to set up a free yeah. country. It's, it's hard to do it when people want corruption, too. though. That's what makes it hard. You know, Greg, you've been saying this for a long time, actually. Trump needs mm-hmm. to go to us. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying it for, what, three years yeah. now, three or four years? Yeah. Yeah. 
three so years. So he has gone. Is there, is there is there is there a documented trip to El Salvador? Because I haven't heard about one. No, it's top secret. They're not saying anything about it. Yeah. Oh. But uh, and you know, other countries, they're they're mm-hmm. bashing El Salvador. Why? Why are you locking up all the MS-13? That's cruel. What you're doing? You know, like Chile. The communists from Chile, they're criticizing El Salvador about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know why they're criticizing El Salvador. <clears throat> See, El Salvador <laughs> proves that all their communist lies are lies. El Salvador proves exactly. that freedom works. See, this is why El Salvador should be. See, now, if the Republicans weren't geldings, they'd be in El Salvador. They'd be saying, look, not only does freedom work in the United States, it works here. In a Central American yeah. country. Why? Yeah. So how many El Salvadorian illegals are coming into our country? Uh, there's not that many because now their cities or their towns are like never before in years. They haven't seen what they're seeing now. So, so in I other words, think these... a lot of people from El Salvador are uh-huh. spending a lot of money trying to buy their little homes and move back because a few families that I have talked to personally, mm-hmm. uh, like this girl, she dances Zumba. She comes once in a while. She's from El Salvador and she's sending a lot of money. To, to build a little house over there to eventually go back. Yeah. So I hope So the so. solution, uh, as we've always said, the solution to illegal aliens mm-hmm. is to bring freedom to the country that the illegal aliens are coming from. So they're not coming here for a better life yeah. all we have to, but because we can create a better life in their own country. And most people want to stay in their own country. I don't think that Hondurans and oh, El Salvadorans yeah. and Guatemalans want to come here other than the fact that their countries are so economically oppressed, but it's corruption that's caused that's the root cause. You know, people, the Kamala Harris always tell yeah. what's, what's the root cause okay. of illegal of, of people crossing the border? You know, they, they just want a better life. They want, they want what America has. Well, every country can have what America has. Everybody wants you, a better life. Yeah. But I mean, everybody, bank robbers want a better life too. They just have a wrong way of going about it. Same thing with <laughs> illegal, illegal aliens the wrong way to get a better life. The way to a better life is to stay in yeah. your own country and work with, with, if we had a legitimate government, if we had a legitimate government, the, the Trump administration next time should do everything possible with, and, and just Central America. South America we'll work on in a bit. But if they could just take the Central American countries, yeah. including Mexico, and say, look, we're going to trade with you if you have a free country with a constitution and an open market and free and fair elections. And you do that, what? We're going to trade with you. If you don't do that, we're not going to trade with you, and we're not going to take your people. You know, we're going to send them all back. Yeah. They're all going to be sent back. Uh-huh. That's the sub. I but mean, it's El Salvador. They have spent, yeah. they, uh, they're going to be deported, all these people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's How's sad for it? a lot of family, but... Well, what, what, wait a minute, wait a minute. How, so so if people are here illegitimately, if they're here illegally... People say, well, you have to have compassion for yes. those people. I said, no, I have compassion for Americans. I have compassion for yes. citizens. I don't have compassion for the illegal alien kids that are in school because they shouldn't be there. I have compassion for the American kids in school that now have a classroom that's twice as big as it should be. That's, yeah. see, people have misplaced yeah. compassion. They think, they say, all they hear about is the, you know, compassion for the illegal alien. Well, they can't be here. So the real compassion you need is for, for America. How, how many people, if we had 200 million people as opposed to 330 million, if you got rid of all the illegals and we limited immigration and just, you know, over time lowered our population, we'd be a whole <laughs> lot better off with, say, 250 hey. million rather than 330 million. Now, nothing hey, kill Greg, the people. Last night, uh, after, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
last night after Zumba, I was talking to a girl from Peru. You know, she's married to an American. She's been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's legal in this country. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Figured. She said, she says, I don't like Randy Santi. What he's doing to the Latino people. I said, what? <laughs> I said, no, we like Randy Santi because he's doing the right thing, I said. Yeah. It's not fair for all these illegal people to be coming in. And I said, you know what? It's not just innocent people that they want to come for a, for a little job or a farming job. Or, there's a lot of terrorists and a lot of N13, a lot of criminals coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did they have brought him back, the Bidens? Yeah. All the ones well, in the every prison, illegal they alien is a them criminal. in the street. Yeah, every illegal alien is a criminal. Uh, yeah, and those that are under 18... Those that are under 18, their parents are criminals for making their kids criminals. So they're the real criminals. Yeah. So, so that's the problem. Yeah. So every illegal alien is a criminal. Uh, and it's, they, but the, the, this is one of those artificial distinctions that always bothers me. When they say that we're going to remove the criminal illegal aliens. Well, they're all criminals. Except the kids are brought here involuntarily. Like but as far as that the Mama adults. Harris' parents were illegal when yeah. they had her. Yeah. Well, she's not a legal she's citizen. She's illegal in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that goes to the point we've said over and over again that citizenship is not being born on American dirt. Okay, citizenship is being mm-hmm. born to American parents. That's what it means. Yeah. And once you understand that, you understand everything. So let me ask you a couple. Of little, we've got about ten minutes here, and I want to get to a couple of different questions. So I have a theory about this guy Vivek Ramaswamy, and I was talking to uh, uh, Brianna about this a little bit earlier. Why would you proclaim? that your fellow Republicans would promise to pardon Trump if they get elected president. That, to me, is the weirdest thing. I'm curious your take on it. Do you hear my chat on well, that? Well, I heard or, or... you talking about it. So what are your views? Yeah, I heard what do you, you talking about that. Okay. You think well, I'm onto something, or you think it's ridiculous, believe... or what do you think? No, it's not ridiculous. I believe... President Trump is still a president right now to speak. And uh, I don't know, one of the reporters from Fox News kind of like spelled it out a little bit. And then he didn't know how to cover it up because his chief and commander is Donald Trump right mm-hmm. as he speak. And I know it's confusing. I know you're going to say, what do you mean? But Biden is doing this and this and this and that. It's, I don't understand that either. But supposedly, because Fox News kind of like spill it a little bit, Uh, Donald Trump is still our president, and the reason everything is happening, and Donald Trump is in control of when he went to New York City and all those people uh, uh, did the trial and all that, they all were being told what to do, because Mm -hmm. Anna Vant, which She's the uh, leader for the state national. She's very close with Donald Trump. She sent us a message and said, do not believe none of us what's going on in New York City. It's all a stage. It's all fake that Donald Trump has well organized so the American people can wake up. So I don't know at this point exactly what, why they're doing step by step, how they're doing it. Uh, but it's it's all Donald Trump is in control of everything, so that's why the the patriots are not worried because that's what we were told. Do not worry, Donald Trump is okay. Just pray for him that they don't murder him because they've been trying to murder him for a long time. 
So, okay. Yes. So this uh, is it's probably going to be is like a, a problem. show that they're going to pardon him, but yeah. Donald Trump is not guilty of nothing. He's squeaky clean, and because we know it. Right. So oh, I, I agree with you. Oh. But here's here's my problem though. I don't want any unknown group of people telling me not to worry. It's all being taken care of. We will. Uh, you know, we'll put Trump back in and everything's going to be fine because I don't trust people that are that secretive. If they're that secretive, then they can do anything. They could lie to you. They could say anything they want. And, and uh-huh. I don't believe them. And I don't, the reason I don't believe them is, is because they're secretive. If they said we're going to campaign for Trump, we're going to help Trump, we're going to get Trump access to all these different markets, we're going to bring in companies and money, mm-hmm. great. No problem. Now, now you got my support. But the fact that they're secret, mm-hmm. that they're behind the scenes, that they're telling people things that make no sense to me whatsoever, I have a problem. I don't want military tribunals. Yeah. I don't want the military intelligence folks taking over the country. I don't want Donald Trump to be in charge of everything. I want a republic. I want a republic. I want a constitution. But- I want a limited government. I want the principles that this country stands for. And we can put Donald Trump back where he belongs in the White House with the Constitution, because the things you're talking about are unconstitutional. Every bit as much as what's going on now is unconstitutional, and that's the problem. The other thing is that there will be tribunals that get more, to be honest with you. I, 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 didn't, I don't believe in all the tribunals right now and all that, that people talk about it. I mean, hmm. I, I personally, I don't know yet. Uh, but, yes, we do know before Trump left, he made sure there was plenty of courtrooms uh, being built in Gitmo, and they did build plenty. That's what I heard actually a few days ago. Uh, so there will be a lot of tribunals at Gitmo, and so is Russia is having a lot of tribunals as we speak, uh, Putin, yes. So oh, yeah. it is crazy. I don't know what's why. Our president is still our president. That's what I heard. Donald Trump in Fox. Like well, I know he's our. I know he's our president, and the reason I know is because the Trump electors. No, right are still now, right now, he's, yeah, he is. Pre- no, oh. no, see, not now, now, see now, all right. No, so this doesn't make sense. Now, this doesn't make sense, and I'll tell you why. If I Donald know, Trump were president, he would That's never president. allow the things that are happening to happen. He would never allow it. If he were president right now, if he were in the White House, if he were calling the shots, he would never allow He would never allow Blinken to go to, to uh, China and, and bow down and, and basically kiss the feet of Xi Jinping and tell him that uh, we don't uh, want an independent Taiwan. He would, that would never happen under Trump. In fact, Trump's going to tell well, Xi Jinping Donald just the opposite. Trump, Donald Trump is going to bring down Taiwan like he did Ukraine. He's... He, when Donald Trump said he was going to drain the swamp, we really didn't know what he was talking about. We thought he meant just over here in D.C., but no. The swamp starts in Ukraine, Taiwan, D.C., and I don't know if it's uh, Thailand, the next one, but Taiwan is going to bring come down like Ukraine to clean because there's a lot of bioweapon labs in, in Taiwan also that Donald Trump is going to shut down with Xi Jinping. And they're working together. And he said yeah, it a long time ago. That makes no ago. sense whatsoever. The Trump yeah. and Xi Jinping are working together. I know. Trump, Trump yeah. fined yeah. China billions of dollars. Why would, why would Xi Jinping work with Trump? Trump? He's already bought Joe Biden. Why would he work with Trump? Xi Jinping is the one that Trump helped put uh, Biden in. 
That doesn't make sense. I know. I know, Kitty. Doesn't make sense. It Charlie. doesn't make sense. But Trump is working with. Xi so why do you believe he's working with Putin? Why do you believe this stuff yeah, so strongly when you Trump. know it doesn't make sense? That, that I, I don't understand that. Help me I out. know because see, in each country there's mm-hmm. deep corruption. So Xi Jinping doesn't want that. all these uh, communists, communists, and he's being told what to do by the communists. See. And Xi Jinping is communist. Yeah, but not him. Yeah. And that's why he's working with Donald Trump and they're going to bring down Taiwan. And it's going to happen because he said it uh, over a year, almost two years ago. Why would you bring bring down Taiwan? This is is inconsistent. Why would you bring down down Taiwan? Money laundering and the corruption. Yeah. The corruption, child trafficking. We want to build up Taiwan. There's about three... We, we want, wait a understand. minute. If, if you want to shut down, the Chinese take it over. That makes no sense either. Well, you'll see. But there is about 340, <laughs> 360 bioweapon labs. So the Ukraine have 46. In Taiwan, I don't know how many Taiwan has, I need to ask, bioweapon labs. And there are some in other countries that the Democrats been manipulating with child trafficking, adrenochrome, and creating a lot of viruses and things. The main one is in the Ukraine, but there's a, a total of 340, I believe, or it could be a little bit more, of bioweapon labs worldwide that our government has set in place in different countries. So the, I think the country that has more, not as many as Ukraine, is uh, Taiwan, and they're going to bring it down. Oh, yeah. I knew that. I told my girl from Taiwan, you better tell your family, to get ready, this is what over a year and a half ago. Yeah, she didn't believe me, but it's coming. It's gonna happen. Yeah, it's sad, but uh, it will happen. Mm-hmm. Now this is we interesting would, because you seem so sure lot. of this. You seem so sure of this, and yet there's no proof of it. There's there's no none of the events that you've talked about have ever happened. Not one. There's not one thing you can point That's to and true. say that the group that the group that you represent or talk about that's going to bring about this, this uh, great conversion and rest of thousands of people. Not one event has happened yet. That makes me very skeptical. Well, then Show me I've one success these people have the had. No, no, no. Show I've me. I've been talking about the neo-Nazis for a long time, and you said that I was crazy about it. No, I never said you were crazy about that. No, no, no. I, I agree with you on the neo-Nazis. I just, remember, don't forget, no, I have to investigate no, something. I'm... What? I said there were no Nazis there? There's, there's a lot of stuff. Is happening. Yeah. You don't have to believe it, but I'm just telling you like it is, and it will be, and it's going to be revealed to the whole world. That's why Putin did not destroy 11 bioweapons. Are still nice running in full mm. right now. He did not destroy it because he's going to show the world. He has all the evidence uh, yeah, to show the world. In some yeah. of the videos, that, in some of the videos that he has talked about it, they've been deleted because. They don't allow them to come out for people to see. But there's still 11 bioweapon labs left that he didn't destroy, and he's working with Donald Trump because they, they were, they're draining the swamp. And Putin has uh, rescued uh, closer to a little bit under 50,000 children are already in Russia that they rescued from all the underground tunnels in Ukraine. Uh, run by the criminals, you know, adrenochrome, sex trafficking, 
uh, including they found the bioweapon lab underneath the, uh, Joe Biden's uh, mansion in Ukraine. So the corruption is so deep and big that, like I said, people are not going to believe it until they see it with their own eyes because you can talk all about it, but, you know, like you, I can tell you a lot of stuff, but, I mean, I cannot show you in your face. Here it is because mm-hmm. they're not allowed to show it yet until the whole thing gets released. But I do believe <laughs> that But you see, the pro- you see the problem, though, right? In other words, we're waiting for something on faith of people that we don't know about, who have not revealed themselves, who we can't investigate, who we can't ask questions of, who have absolutely no success anywhere with anything that they've talked about and yet want us to believe that all this is going to happen miraculously and trust them. Do you see my problem? Well, it's not, it's not going to be miraculous. It's the real truth. But what I'm happen. saying is you're, oh. you're, asking, you're asking people to trust a group that nobody knows about, that no one can question, that no one can investigate, that has no success anywhere, that has just this, you know, trust us, that's advocating all kinds of unconstitutional solutions of, of no trials and executions and military takeovers and, you know, and, and intelligence takeovers. None of that stuff is legal. It's all as it's, well, it's replacing it one be, dictatorship will, with another. And this is why this is why I don't trust no, it at all. Not. not even a little bit. It's not but you can't be prove it though. You can't prove it. Well, right There's now, nothing... I can because they, ha- they yeah. haven't done it yet, but they will. Well, yeah. get me in touch with they. You don't tell let, let me. Let me talk to these people. The, I'll, the I'll find out. The military is working with Donald Trump. Right. I know yes, you say that. Organizing the whole thing. But mm-hmm. but it's but they have never done anything successfully yet. Not a single thing. They have no track record. Because you don't know what's happening. Because a lot See, but that's the trap, though. Store, but we're not allowed to know yet. Yeah, See, but, but that's the problem. It, it, it was, uh, it's not a problem. Why do you, why do you, you trust these people? Trust me. Why, why do you trust these people? Because they're going ha- to save the world. This is worldwide. This is not just America. The intelligent military is working on this for years, and they chose Donald Trump. They ask him, are you willing to leave all your richness behind, your lifestyle? Are you willing to die for America if that comes to that? And that's, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, you should watch uh, X-22 report, and he tells you a lot. And uh, you, don't, you don't see the guy, of course, because he doesn't want to be seen. Of but course he doesn't want to be seen. a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah. No, because yeah. he's kind of like secret i guess uh yeah yeah i I am surprised i am surprised at your lack of curiosity that you take so much Mm -hmm. of this on faith because there's no there's no rational basis for taking all this on faith again they're secret we don't know who they are they can't be we can't ask them questions they don't want to follow the constitution well it's our military there's nothing the intelligence yeah no. But you know that. You know, if you don't I know who these people are, you don't know you don't know who's behind them. You don't know anything about yeah, these we people. Do. Then who yeah, are we they? Know. Look, the intelligent military, but we cannot tell you who they what, are. What's no. the intelligent military? What's yeah. the intelligent military? The intelligent military is working with Donald Trump. They hire Donald Trump. They're in charge of full full control of state force with Donald Trump. Okay. They're in full control of our military right now because if they were not in full control of our military, 
we would have all our military fighting in the Ukraine, losing their lives. And it did not happen like that because they're not going to, okay? And, well, Congress uh, never authorized uh, that. I go to, no, Biden would have sent them immediately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he would have been but impeached for it. it's happening like that. <laughs> if Biden sent our military no. to Ukraine, he'd be out of office in, within hours. Man, I There's no way he could do that. No, he's not allowed to do that. But like I said, it's all going to okay. happen. I just can hardly wait. Uh, uh-huh. We can talk until the cows come home or however yeah. the saying is. But yeah. uh, I <laughs> well, go to right. different events. Roger, Roger Storms talks about it. Mike Flynn. In a lot of the events that we go, uh, we learn more and more and more what's happening. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of American people, they're just going to have to trust uh, Trump and the intelligent military that is behind this whole thing. And this is going to be worldwide because, you know, we are the uh, beacon for the world, this country. And if this country goes down, uh, the whole world will be going down at the same time but it's not going to happen like that we are the the military the the countries that they're involved with trump like brazil uh uh costa rica uh many many countries uh will be working with donald trump or are working i should say Mm-hmm. And their military will take over until things settle. It's not that we're having a dictator military. Never, never will happen. But in order to shut down the corruption, it will have to happen this way. It has to be this way in order to no, happen. No, it doesn't. Because See, the, the problem. corruption it doesn't that we have, have to be this way. Deep. Yeah, see, I don't believe you. It doesn't it have will. to be this way. No, but there's other options. But how are you going to fix? How are you going to fix this corruption, Greg? The Supreme Courts are corrupt to the bone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The police, local judges, mm-hmm. local governors. I mean, how do you how do you clean America? There's no so, way you can do it. But there's no way that you there's can no guarantee way. that the military people who are going to take over are yes, any less corrupt. Will. But you don't know that because you they're don't know who they are. They're going to arrest all these criminals, including Republican criminals. They're going to be arrested. A lot of Republicans will be arrested together with the Democrats. Not just one side, both sides. That's what they're telling us. They're saying in some of the videos that I have watched, they say you'll be in shock how many Republicans will be taken down, you know, yeah. that you're not going to believe I, that they're I, in it. I, th- I think you're being had. But we just I think have it's to a con. Yeah. I think it's a con job, Josie. I no, really do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. Uh, every every instinct in my body says this is a giant con. It's a waste of time. It's, it's being so done good. by as, this is. Behind, I, I think the government. I think the deep state is behind all these. You, they're gonna that you'll all be saved in this wonderful, uh, you know, blessed event that we we've, we've never seen any evidence will happen. I think that's the con, and I want to look into it. So so X twenty two. Who else should be- I look at? You had some other guy too that, that, was, that was a total fraud <laughs> that you gave me before. X twenty two, you can watch. Last night was very good actually. Okay. Uh, Truth and Art TV. He's our Truth, friend. Hang on, Bernie. Truth. What He's is it? A, Truth and Art Truth, TV. Truth and Art. A R T TV. Okay. Anybody else? <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he's an ex military. Uh, um, Mike Flynn. He's good, but these two guys. Well, I believe Mike Flynn. I want to get him on the show. TV. 
All right, I'll get those two. X twenty two and Truth on RTV. I know. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, it. those yeah. two with the X report, you're gonna learn a lot, mm-hmm. and also uh, Bernie, which is Truth and RTV. Uh, he's an ex uh, retired uh, marine, and also a doctor, and he hmm. has a lot of friends, a lot of knowledge. What's yeah. going on? Yeah, see, part of my skepticism. Some of the situation. Yeah. Situation report also is pretty good. And yeah. uh, Mike Adams, very involved in a lot of the food and a lot of the chemicals, a lot of the the destruction of our food and trail uh, train derail. He's he has a lot of intelligence coming in and a lot of a lot of people that have evidence and all that, so which is good. Uh, but these people are trying to kill us with our milk. I don't buy milk from the grocery store anymore. I have a lady that she has her cow, so I've been drinking that, and my face doesn't break when I drink milk, or my stomach doesn't hurt anymore. It's because of the garbage they're putting on the milk, toothpaste, Listerine, Gatorade, potato chips. I mean, it's just the list. It's, it's, it's oh, I don't have processed food. I mean, I, I get my eggs from a friend. I have, you know, fruits, vegetables, and, yeah. you know, wild-caught fish and eggs and things like that. So, yeah, I'm in pretty good shape. Hey, and listen, I got my me, chickens. Uh, I got 10 chickens now. So. Oh, good for yeah. you. Yeah, so we sell eggs. Greg, pollito. Hey, Mr. Pollo. Hey, Mr. Pollo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do chicken impressions, too. God bless you, Greg. God bless it's you, nice too, Josie. Talking to you, Mr. Pollo. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> chicken, great. I'm super chicken. Yeah. Well, let's do it again next week. And uh, uh, if you can get uh, get some of these folks uh, to talk to me on the show, you know, they they can come on as Mr. X. I know. Or X22. I, I, have, I have email and text Gene Ho, and he said, Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll come on. Yeah, yeah sure. But he's still yeah. thinking busy with the magazine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I believe so, that. Anyway. Okay. All Thanks, right. God bless. Uh, this is Josie <laughs> with. Uh, Action Radio, don't forget to support our station so we can continue live and getting into all these actions that are happening. Uh, mm-hmm. Donate $10, dollars $15, whatever you can donate. Well, just, yeah. well, that, actually, let's get and, to uh, that. So with, Substack, I have Substack subscriptions at gregpringles.substack.com or givesendgo.com slash Action Radio. You can donate. Um, yeah, and you got a store. Yeah, Bruce Uniform Shop. Come and get your eggs and honey. There you go. All That's right, good. Greg. Ciao. Right. See you next Ciao. week. Ciao. Arrivederci. Bye-bye. Dos vidania. Arrivederci, amigo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say goodbye. Sayonara. Bye-bye. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good.
Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. Conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida. Right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask to the answers no one has thought to consider to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. All right, let's go down to the article vault and see what we can get from, uh, from our historical knowledge.
All right, so one of my favorite publications is The New American, um, although I tried to connect with the John Birch Society. They had the, I was at a meeting, oh, I guess a year and a half ago, with one of their, their vice presidents was there making a big speech and never heard back, never talked to me. It's like, okay, that's nothing. Um, but the, uh, the New American itself is, is a great source of information, and they'll report a lot of things that you don't hear in other places. So in other words, if you do a, a search with Google, you know, bringing you the leftist news first, and you ask about the uh, the Anthony Blinken kowtow to Xi Jinping, the surrender tour, the uh, the let's get some instructions tour, the things like whatever you want to call it, you're not going to get good information for the first 30 to 40, you know, uh, web posts. You have to keep scrolling down. And eventually, I found this one from the New American, which is called "Giving China to the Communists." It's detailed. It'll probably take most of the rest of this hour to get through it, but I think it's worth it. And so we talked with Brianna earlier about this ridiculous visit, the history of China. Uh, the fact that uh, the world after World War II was uh, was kind of split up, that Korea was split, you know, to give territory for Russia for uh, you know helping to defeat Japan, and then Vietnam was split, and uh, China and Russia kind of controlled the North, and uh, you know we tried to control the South, and of course these inevitable wars when these nations are split, and they would never should have been split. There's no you don't split nations. Germany same thing, you know Russia got half, the West got half, and uh, well actually the United States, France, and uh, England got the other half and Russia got half and, you know, that went on for years and years and could have caused a nuclear war and who knows what else. Anyway, total waste of time, waste of resources, waste of humanity and people lead, you know, lead decades of their lives, you know, under communism. There's no reason for that either. So anyway, so we screwed up. Never should have divided Korea, never should have divided Vietnam, never should have had wars there, never should have gone to Afghanistan or Iraq or, or now Ukraine, it's just left these places alone. Does that mean that good things are happening there all the time? No. But just because it's a problem doesn't mean it's our problem. And so that's the big difference. So I found this article. I found it fascinating. And so I want to uh, kind of give you uh, some real history on, on the United States relationship with China. And I think it, things will make a lot more sense. So it was written, it was written September 17, 2018. So this would have been right Trump's, let me see. Yeah, right before the midterms, the 2018 midterms. So Trump took office 2017. Uh, so the election was 2016. So this is, uh, yeah, so this is right in the middle of the Trump administration. Um, so as opposed to the Biden insurrection that we're in now. So it was, so it's called Giving China to the Communists. Let me see if I can find you an author here. Might be all of them. Oh, here we go. Steve Bias. <laughs> so I guess it's not a bias report, is it? <laughs> That's B-Y-A-S. So Steve Bias, uh, let's my computer. Hang on. Let's move some things here. There we go. All right. So he says, Chinese nationalist, this is the article, Giving China to the Communists. Chinese nationalist Chiang Kai-shek was a loyal ally to America during World War II, but a handful of U.S. leaders poisoned American policy towards him while building up the communists. So the article basically says that the reason we have communist China is because of our State Department. They screwed up, and some of our military, and Roosevelt, you know, and just, just major, major screws. So basically, the communists in our own government were the communists government in both China and I would also say Russia. That's, that's my contention. Steve Bies of the John Birch Society says he who controls, well, actually, he doesn't say that. Uh, Vladimir Lenin said he who controls China controls the world. And then he says uh, said that the first communist dictator of the Soviet Union, American communist leader William Z. Foster, similarly remarks the civil war in China between the forces of nationalist Chiang Kai-shek and the communists led by Mao Zedong, that's in parentheses, the civil war in China is the key to all problems on the international front. So China was very desirable um, as to who was going to control it. And like I say, those of us who wanted freedom wanted Chiang Kai-shek and the nationalists, you know, the constitutional government to control it. And 
before my time when this happened, uh, and those that were State Department, you know, Nazis, fascists, Marxists, you know, Stalinists, whatever, wanted uh, China to control it. And that's basically how this worked out. So it says here, and it was not just uh, communists who understood the strategic importance of China. General Claire Chennault, uh, the commander of the famed Flying Tigers, writing in his book, The Way of the Fighter, put it bluntly. This is from the article, obviously. He says, China is the key to the Pacific, and not only the Pacific, uh, if China remains friendly to the United States, the Russians will not dare move deeper into Europe, leaving vitals exposed on their Asiatic flank. So Chanel understood what's going on. Claire Chanel and, and Chiang Kai-shek, particularly Madame Chiang Kai-shek, got along very well. Uh, he says, had, uh, main, had mainland China not fallen to the communists in 1949, the United States would have had a powerful ally checking all Soviet ambitions in Eastern Asia. This probably wouldn't have been much of a Cold War then, right? There would have been no Korean War and no Vietnam War, which together cost America about 100,000 lives. The communists, all, a lot more than that after COVID and the, and the vaccine, right? There would have been no Korean War and, oh, I already said that, right? The communist oligarchs who ruled China during the dark days of Mao Zedong's, you know, Mao Zedong were responsible for the deaths of between 34 and 64 million people. By the time the Senate committee, subcommittee, on internal security, Senate Committee on Internal Security, that's interesting, published a study, The Human Cost of Communism in 1971. Now, I've got that study, but I haven't read it yet. He says, imagine China today as a strong American ally instead of the communist nemesis she still is. But he says, that, isn't, but that is not the case. Make no mistake, the communists who ruled uh, the world's most populous nation viewed the United States as their principal obstacle to world domination. Had the U.S. government acted differently during World War II and its immediate aftermath toward the government of Chiang Kai-shek, instead of China being our enemy today, she would be our friend. See, that would be all the difference in the world. If China was a friendly ally under Chiang Kai-shek or whoever the president now, um, as opposed to a complete enemy under Xi Jinping, the communist, things would be uh, completely different. Yep. He says, many, however, argued that it was not American politics that caused China to fall to communism, but rather it was the fault of the Chinese themselves particularly their nationalist leader, Chiang Kai-shek. Even a nominal or normally conservative historian, such as Paul Johnson, wrote in his History of the American People, he says President Truman was bitterly accused uh, by the Republicans and the, and the China lobby of having, quote, lost China. But the truth is, China lost itself. This is also the Truman's explanation. Uh, he placed blame squarely on Chiang, as known as Chiang Kai-shek, in his memoirs of, of Harry S. Truman, he wrote, there's no doubt in my mind that if Chiang Kai-shek had been a, only a little more conciliatory, an understanding could have been reached, which is kind of wasteful to think that because they couldn't reach an understanding, millions of people died and we have a huge enemy in China. Amazing how, how these people, you know, these people in power totally screw everything up. Anyway, he says, to better understand the, uh, to better challenge the assertion of Johnson and Truman that it was mostly Chiang's fault, Chiang Kai-shek's fault, that not the uh, fault of the American policy that caused China to fall to communism in 1949. We need to briefly review Chinese history. Yeah, several paragraphs, right? And Chiang's place in it. For centuries, the indigenous Chinese had been ruled by a dynasty of Mongols, eventually known as the Manchu dynasty. Most Americans are familiar with Genghis Khan and his grandson Kublai Khan, both Mongol rulers of China. At one time, Mongol ruled China was probably the world's most powerful country, but imperial European powers such as Britain and Russia, had taken advantage of the nation's decline to pick up its rotting carcass. Anyway, finally, 1911. Okay, so this is before, three years before World War I. 1911, Dr. Sun Yat-sen led a successful rebellion against the Manchu dynasty, intending to establish a Western-style republic. 
After meeting Sun in China, Chang became his right-hand man, having studied military science in Japan. Chang became invaluable to Sun's revolution and led the troops that captured the Manchu stronghold of Hangzhou. After Russia fell to communist re- revolution in 1917, remember the, yeah, the Russian Revolution, Lenin, understanding the strategic importance of China, attempted to co-opt Sun. But Chang, after Sun sent him to Moscow, quickly realized he did not want what happened to Russia to happen in China and became a moderating force. Chiang Kai-shek's the next headline here, Chiang Kai-shek rejects communism for China. Smart move. He says, I became more convinced than ever that Soviet political institutions were instruments of tyranny and terror. This is Chiang Kai-shek. After Sun's death in 1925, Chiang succeeded him and found that the political party Sun had founded, the Kuomintang, Kuomintang, was filled with communist intrigue. Sounds like our government, right? McCarthy right. Always keep that in mind. McCarthy said there were communists in our government. McCarthy was right. Anyway, he said, the article says, when Chiang went into northern China to unify the country under the new government, Mikhail Borodin, a Soviet agent, staged a coup in Canton in the capital. Well, that sounds really familiar. Chiang returned and overthrew the communists, expelled Borodin, and kicked Mao Zedong and his Sheming communist comrades out of the Kuomintang. In 1927, Chiang married Mei Lin Sun, a devout Christian, after undertaking his own reading of the Bible, he also became a Christian. He's probably a Buddhist before that. By 1930, Chiang had unified China under what was certainly the most enlightened government in its history. China was moving toward Chiang's ultimate goal of a constitution creating a republic with free elections. Yeah, freedom works. Okay, we know freedom works. Look at El Salvador. So then it says, but by then Japan, but then Japan invaded Manchuria, perhaps China's wealthiest province, in 1931. And the communists established their own base in remote northwest China. For the next several years, Chiang was forced to fight a two-front war inside his own country. It was against the Japanese and against the communists, determined to overthrow the Kuomintang and establish a communist dictatorship. So that's the problem right there. So Chiang Kai-shek, the nationalist government, the government of the Constitution of the Republic, you know, what I think of as the legitimate government of China, had to fight the communists and the Japanese at the same time. Well, most countries at the time couldn't even fight the Japanese because they're really powerful. We had enough trouble fighting the Japanese ourselves. Can you imagine? It'd be like, I guess it'd be like if the Civil War and World War II were happening at the same time. <laughs> you know, so you have the Confederacy fighting the Union at the same time as we're fighting both uh, Japan and, and uh, Germany. That's what it would have been like for Chiang Kai-shek. So no wonder he had problems. Anyway, it says in 1927, Chiang, oh, I read that. By then, Japan invaded Manchuria. I read that too. But in 1937, the Japanese took Shanghai and Nanking, forcing China, Chiang's government to, uh, inland to Chongqing. With Chiang preoccupied uh, fighting for the foreign invaders, the communists took the opportunity to expand their own territorial holdings. For the next several years, Chiang stood alone against the Japanese aggressors. After Pearl Harbor, Chiang announced to President Roosevelt to our new common battle, we offer all we are and all we have to stand with you. Well, that was nice. He says, while it's still fashionable among liberal historians to bash China's con- contribution to the war effort, the fact is that China kept 1.5 million Japanese soldiers uh, tied down on the Chinese mainland, battle-hardened troops that otherwise could have been used against American soldiers. So that, that's 1.5 million. That's a big army. Anyway, it's complicating China's Chang's defense of China was the presence of an armed force of communists in northern China led by Mao Zedong. 
All during the war against Japan, the nationalist government of China had to keep a watchful eye on these rebels. Chiang knew what communism meant, having seen its heavy hand of tyranny firsthand inside the Soviet Union, and he was con- convinced that Mao took orders directly from Moscow. I wouldn't be surprised. Publicly, the Soviets denied any such connection with the Red Chinese, even though Stalin was favorable. Unfortunately for Chiang and China and for America, Mao and the communists in China had American sympathizers as well. And this is where it starts to get messy, or as far as I'm concerned, interesting. <laughs> but here's the problem. Next headline, Jell's, uh, article subheading, General Joseph Stilwell's role in helping the communists. A very important enemy of Chiang Kai-shek and friend of Mao Zedong was General Joseph Stilwell, sent by, Prang, by President Roosevelt uh, and Army Chief of Staff George Marshall to lead the military effort in China against Japan. In the end, the role that Stilwell played in bringing communism to power in the world's most populated nation was so significant that the Daily Worker, an official Communist Party newspaper in the United States, printed a letter in 1946 that Stilwell had written. It says, it makes me itch to throw down my shovel and get over there and shoulder a rifle with Chu Te, the commander-in-chief of the Chinese Communist Party Army. Interesting stuff. I mean, let me see if I have more article we've got here. I got about half an hour. Let me just move this over a little bit here. I might take a water break here for a second. I've been talking a lot today. Let me do that now. Uh, so let me just, just hold right here just for a second and play a couple more things. What time is it now? 9.29? 9.29. Yeah, we'll get all our commercials done now. I'll drink a ton of water, and then I'll be able to finish up the rest of the show. I think we'll be all set here. Be right back. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engine. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Now kind of quiet out there. Nobody's on live chat. No one's on the line. Okay, I'll keep talking. 
Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener. And help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. Yes, it looks like Marco's here. He's just uh, in the Netherlands, uh, not sending a bunch of messages. He must be just absolutely fascinated and intrigued with everything we're doing. Um, We've had a jump in listeners. Um, A couple of shows. We had the one with Brian Artis. Dr. Brian Artis was on. And the one with Tony Lyons are just going gangbusters. So it's really nice to see uh, all the folks who are discovering the show. And I just wish you'd stick around all the other days because, you know, we try to do something fascinating here every day. All right. So I've got a little bit more to go for today, about 25 minutes. And let me get back to our history of China. I think it's fascinating. And, and I'm a big history buff because once you understand history, you kind of understand everything else that's going on. And it, it, I think it makes much more sense um, that way. All right. So back to the, the headline here, General St- Joseph Stilwell's role in helping the communists. He says, Patrick Hurley, this is the article author, Patrick Hurley, Roosevelt's ambassador to China, bluntly asserted Stilwell's critical role in the eventual communist takeover. Quote, the the record of General Stilwell in China is irrevocably coupled in history with the conspiracy to overthrow the nationalist government of China and to set up in its place a communist regime. In The Way of the Fighter, General Claire Cheneau said that Stilwell's staff made no secret of their admiration for the communists who, they said, were really only agrarian reformers and more like New Deal, no, New Dealers than communists. Yes, you know, we've heard this before, right? The, the Contras in Nicaragua, they're, they're, they're just like our founding fathers. You know, the Ukrainians are, are just, uh, they're like us, you know, or uh, it doesn't matter who the government's supporting, whichever communist group the government's supporting, they're, they're just like us. You know, they, they believe in democracy like we do. Well, of course, people are saying that don't believe in democracy at all. It, it's kind of uh, fascinating um, how this all works. Anyway, point being, that um, it, it's just part of the big lie, and it goes on and on. General Stilwell, I think, was the commander, one of the commanders in the Pacific, along with uh, MacArthur. And so Stilwell, I think he was the one that uh, presided over the Bataan Death March. Uh, I think he's the one that surrendered to the Japanese in a bunch of different places. Stilwell's not a great character. 
uh, in our history and it caused a lot of problems. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think so. Anyway, still well. Obviously, and he obviously loved the, the communist Chinese and, and tried to do his best to, to get them into power. So then we've got here more stuff. Uh, Chang himself, that's Chiang Kai-shek, himself declared that Powell was in conspiracy with the communists to overthrow the government. So yeah, so part of the reason that we had the Vietnam War and the Korean War and the Cold War and China gone communist is in large part because of General Stilwell, who used our military to help Mao Zedong over Chiang Kai-shek. You need to understand that because what's going on today is exactly the same thing. Anthony Blinken, you know, Obama's uh, agent, uh, is going to China to carry on the continued kowtowing to Chinese communists because they love Chinese communists and want to use that model for our country here. If they could, our job is to not let them. Then he says, writing in the New American, May 24th, 1999, Steve Bonta offered his own harsh assessment of Stilwell, quote, an early prototype of the self-serving careerist politician coup military officer that now dominates the upper echelons of the American military. That would be like General Milley, right? Stilwell made every effort to undermine Chiang Kai-shek's authority. He diverted supplies from China to Burma and pressed Chiang to concede to communist demands. Yeah, so uh, they, they basically starved the nationalists who were supposed to be supporting of arms and food and things like that and gave them to the communists who were supposed to be opposing. That's the problem. Article says Stilwell's selection to serve as Chiang's chief of staff was made by President Roosevelt upon the recommendation of Stilwell's closest friend, or close friend, excuse me, Army Chief of Staff George Marshall. Obviously, he's not such a great guy either in this light. He says, as Don Lohbeck, L-O-H-B-E-C-K, wrote in Patrick J. Hurley from, from the beginning, the wartime alliance in, in the CBI, that's China, China, Burma, and India, CBI, right, uh, theater, did not run smoothly. The interests of the allied nations were too conflicting. Well, that's interesting. General Stilwell arrived in Asia in February 1942, which would have been a couple months after Pearl Harbor, uh, and soon moved into Burma to take command of those Chinese troops who were opposing the Japanese invasion. Chiang had agreed shortly after Pearl Harbor to divert some of his own army to Burma. Remember the hump? <laughs> As we used to fly supplies over uh, from Burma into China. Anyway, he says, if there was a comprehensive plan for the use, uh, it says, uh, says Harbert, all right, I'll start again. Chiang had agreed shortly after Pearl Harbor to divert some of his own army to Burma. If there, was also, if there was a comprehensive plan for their use. You know, that, that makes more sense. He says, but Stilwell quickly, was quickly routed by the Japanese. In other words, he lost. And he abandoned the Chinese soldiers to their fate. They're probably all killed. Stilwell blamed Chang for the debacle, describing him as an arrogant, arbitrary, stubborn man. But Chang really had no role whatsoever in the disaster in Burma. And again, the Bataan Death March, I think that's, that's Stilwell, although I haven't seen that in the article yet. Anyway. He says uh, the retaking of Burma became an obsession to Stilwell, but Chiang opposed any new campaign there, arguing that his troops were more needed to defend his country from the Japanese. General Chenault agreed with Chiang, contending that Stilwell's obsession with the comparatively minor operation in Burma was damaging the more important defense of China itself. The British opposed, also opposed Stilwell, wishing to maintain their empire. Yeah, Britain always wants their empire. And they believed this would uh, be better accomplished by the use of British troops in Burma rather than either American or Chinese forces. Mm-hmm. Always the domestic considerations. He says, despite all of this, and despite President Truman's later remarks that Chang needed to be more conciliatory, Chang agreed to a second Burma campaign. Let me skip over this. This isn't as relevant to us. Oh, here we go. Now it gets better. 
Relations deteriorated between Stilwell and Chang. Stilwell made amazingly harsh remarks about the state head of state of the American ally, repeatedly saying he would like to get rid of the peanut. Another time, he called Chang a crazy little, I guess the word is bastard, <laughs> but they're not printing it. it. You know, B, star, 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 D. I can say that on the air. Uh, article says, as tasteless as such remarks were, Stilwell's actions were even more serious. According to Frank Dom, D-O-M, in Walkout with Stilwell, he even ordered officers of the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, which is the precursor to the CIA, to make contingency plans for Chang's assassination. Yeah, you heard that right. Make, they were planning, Stilwell ordered the CIA to assassinate or make plans to assassinate Chiang Kai-shek. Gina, where, how does this sound familiar? Uh, uh, Kennedy, <laughs> you know, uh, assassinate uh, Castro in Cuba with the Bay of Pigs. They're big on this kind of stuff. I wonder if they, they tried to kill the Pope, John Paul. I just idle curiosity. Anyway, article says his obsession with Burma was rivaled by his desire to provide arms to the Chinese communists. Understandably, Chang was concerned that an armed communist force in China present a mortal threat. He was right. He knew that once the United States had entered the war, Japan's eventual defeat was sure, which is true. His principal concern now was saving his country from communist dictatorship. Yeah, so, so Chiang Kai-shek was more worried about the communists after a while than in his own country than he was about the Japanese, because the Japanese were going to be defeated, because we were doing that. <laughs> you know, And that, that was inevitable, given the fact that we kept you know, producing and making more stuff and bigger arms. And the uh, Japanese you know, they gradually had all their factories destroyed, their shipping destroyed, and their airplanes destroyed, and their war destroyed. Why we felt the need to invade that country after that, all that was destroyed, I'm not quite sure, but that's, that's for another show. Anyway, he says Stilwell wouldn't aid his, this endeavor, however, even refusing to requ- the request of Chang and Chenault for gasoline. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Again, they cut off the nationalists, cut off Chiang Kai-shek, and gave all the stuff to the communists. Well, it's the exact opposite of what they should have done. Anyway, he says Stilwell wouldn't aid him in the spring of 1944. Chenault told, so the war is still going on, right? In the spring of 1944, Chenault told Stilwell that the security of the American air bases in China was threatened. Stilwell dismissed such pleas as chiseling gasoline for the 14th Air Force. Idiot. As the Japanese drove toward Chongqing, Stilwell still demanded more troops for his Burma obsession. Stilwell was a terrible general. Chanel recalled, the bulk of the United States wartime assistance to China was expended on a border operation in Burma while the situation in China deteriorated to near disaster. 90% of the resources of the China-Burma theater were devoted. Let's get more domestic here talking about the role of the press and the Foreign Service. Okay, so the Foreign Service, that's the diplomats, that's the State Department, all right? I know, because I took the Foreign Service exam to, you know, in my youth, uh, try a, a job working in a consulate or an embassy. I thought it'd be kind of cool. Serve my country, all that kind of good stuff. Well, I passed the Foreign Service test, but I didn't pass the interview because uh, they only hired, you know, nerdy little types like them. <laughs> so the, the State Department's a very interesting place. And if you're not a clone of the people already there, you ain't getting in. I know, because I met the people who got in, and I met the people who didn't. And the people who didn't get in were far more interesting. Back to the article. <laughs> the role of the press in the Foreign Service. Of, under increasing pressure by Stilwell and others in the U.S. government to allow the arming of the communists, Chang acted against his better judgment and approved an American military observer's mission, which was led by the military attache at the U.S. Embassy, Colonel David Dean Barnett. That name, oh, Barrett, excuse me, B-A-R-R-E-T-T. So Colonel David Dean Barrett, 
He was accompanied to the Chinese Center of Operations at Yemen by John Stewart Service. His last name is Service, right? An employee of the State Department. State Department. More, more, more. We're going to hear about the State Department. I don't like the State Department. I just told you. I tried. I tried even though I tried to, to work for them. But, you know, that would have been just fun. Anyway, article says, as Chang feared, the mission was a disaster. The arrival of the Americans bestowed great prestige upon the communists. The American press chose to praise the communists as devoted to, quote, democracy. Well, that's a contradiction right there, right? Devoted to democracy and the unity of China. Oh, isn't that interesting? The unity of China. In other words, Taiwan. <laughs> you know, in other words, one China. So in other words, everything that's going on today has been going on since 1949, since the, the, the communist Chinese took over China uh, with the aid of us, with the aid of our State Department. So what you're seeing today is nothing new. It's been going on for a long time. That's why I'm reading this article, so you get some perspective. He says, the American press chose to praise the communists as devoted to democracy, the unity of China. I said that. The result was a flood of pro-communist, anti-Kuomintang propaganda in the American press, much like we're getting now. Under the guise of honest reporting, the national government of China was denounced as corrupt, venal, evil, and reactionary. <laughs> the Chinese communists were praised as honest, progressive reformers who were not really communists, but more on the order of colonists of the American revolutionary days. Yes, it's always their founding fathers, right? The Nicaraguan Contras were our founders. The, the illegal aliens, they're like Brandon said, they're like our founders. Every, everybody that's not like our founders, the, the Democrat Marxists and uh, communists in our own governments, they are like the... the you know, they're like a funny fathers. It's, it's an old trick. But, you know, most of these people have no new ideas. They just keep repeating the same old crap. Back to the article. Oh, so, yeah, under the guise of honest reporting, the national government of China was denounced as corrupt, venal, and even evil and reactionary, right, under honest reporting, right? The Chinese communists were praised as honest, progressive reformers who were not really communists, but more on the order of the colonists of the American Revolution. While Chang was denounced as a ruthless dictator, Mao was described as a democratic man of the people. <laughs> That's a twist. Chang, they claim, was selling out to the Japanese, while the communists were heroically carrying on alone. <laughs> this is fun. It, it, it wasn't so tragic, it'd be funny, right? Article says whether the press came to these conclusions on their own, which I highly doubt, or whether they were fed this line by pro-communist forces, pro-communist foreign service officers is uncertain. Well, it's certain for me. I'm sure it came from the Foreign Service, right? Part of the State Department. Article says, but it's beyond doubt that the, that service, in other words, the person named service, and others in the Foreign Service preferred Mao over Chang. That's pretty obvious. Political attache John Patton Davies, Peyton Davies, had arrived in China about the same time as Stilwell. It was Davies who requested that Stilwell ask the War Department to assign three additional State Department employees to his command, including John Stewart's service. Davies and service reported back to Washington that Cheng had, quote, narrow conservative views, adding that his, quote, growing megalomania had cost him respect of many intellectuals. Their recommendations were to supply China. Uh, the Chinese communists with American military equipment and forced Chang to accept them into a coalition government. So you want to talk about screwing up? So they supported the dictatorship, the communist dictators. They gave them weapons, American military equipment to the communist dictatorship, you know, in opposition to the, the Republic constitutional free nation, Chiang Kai-shek. That's why Taiwan's a free nation and China's a communist country rather than the other way around. It would be better if it was the other way around. In fact, it was better if the Communist Party didn't exist at all, but they do. 
You ever see those pictures in Beijing when the news goes there? They still show you pictures of Mao Zedong, his big, wonderful face, the little dictator, still right there, all over uh, the Forbidden Palace and the uh, or whatever the, 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 the whatever it's called. Yeah. Anyway, Beijing, <laughs> which used to be Peking, way back when. All right, let me see if I can get you caught up in the article here. Davidson's uh, okay, China, okay, there we go. So this is the part that kills me. It says the recommendations were to supply the Chinese communists with American military equipment. Yeah, apparently the State Department had uh, arms uh, that were supposed to go to Chiang Kai-shek that were on the docks, military equipment, sent to the communists instead. That's what I've heard. Can't find an article to prove it yet, but I'm sure because that's where I read it you know, way back when. Anyway, so then it says the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which included Marshall, Stillwell's close friend, while not the official chairman, Marshall usually had Roosevelt's ear more so than Admiral William Lee, the actual chair. So the actual chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff wasn't talking to, the, to President Roosevelt, and Marshall was. Big problem. It says they demanded that Chiang accept Stillwell as the commander-in-chief of all Chinese forces, which would include the communists. So Stillwell, who hates Chiang Kai-shek, uh, was forced on Chiang Kai-shek to accept him as commander-in-chief. Uh, even though we know damn well he hated Chiang Kai-shek. Chiang refused, the article says, and countered with three demands of his own. Before he would accept Stillwell's taking over command of the Chinese armies, he wanted a clear definition of Stillwell's authority. Furthermore, the command would not include the communists, and control of Lin Li's material <clears throat> would be in Chiang's hands, not Stillwell's. President Roosevelt opted to send Patrick Hurley to China as his personal representative in an effort to either uh, effect a reconciliation between Stilwell and Chang, Hurley had insisted that he not be responsible for the State Department, not be responsible to the State Department, excuse me, which he despised. I like this guy already. Roosevelt agreed with Hurley that it would be futile to arm a force intent upon the destruction of the Chinese government and that no Lindley's material could be made available to the communists unless and until they acknowledged the national government of the Republic of China and the leadership of Generalissimo Chiang Kai-shek. When he heard this, Stilwell was fuming, declaring the cure for China's troubles is the elimination of Chiang Kai-shek. He was particularly troubled that Reds would get no aid under the proposal. Service, similarly, this service the person, similarly denounced Chiang, arguing in a report to the State Department that the United States needed to, quote, force the Kuomintang toward democracy. Yeah, see, see, democracy is what the communists did. You know, freedom is what Chiang Kai-shek did. Big difference, right? In the second report, service urged that the military supplies be turned over to the communists, which, of course, happened several times, right, which he proposed as an ally to replace the Kuomintang. Stilwell told T.V. Soong, Chiang's foreign minister, that either Chiang turn over to him command of all the forces in China, or he would recommend that the United States remove all its China operations to the Soviet Union, the USSR. Stilwell's friend, Chief of uh, Staff Marshall, prevailed upon Roosevelt to send a blunt message to Chiang, demanding Stilwell be given unrestricted command in China. To add to the insult, Stilwell would deliver the note to Chiang in person. <laughs> Last little bit here. Stilwell recalled too late. Hurley thought no chief of state could tolerate such an insult and pleaded with Stilwell not to do so. He told Stilwell in a, in a prior meeting that Chiang had already agreed to the conditions for Stilwell's appointment as field commander of the armed forces under, of China under Chiang's leadership, and that Chiang had agreed to all the other demands found in the letter. Joe, Hurley told Stilwell, you have won this ballgame, and if you want command of all the forces in China, all you have to do is accept what the Generalissimo has already agreed to. Hmm. Stilwell, however told Hurley that he wanted to embarrass and publicly humiliate Chiang Kai-shek, 
whom he referred to as the peanut. A little derogatory. Then we called Jimmy Carter that way back when. Anyway, Chang read the ter- translated ultimatum from Roosevelt and set it aside, softly saying, I understand. Still, while gloated later Hurley, the harpoon hit the little bugger right in the solar plexus. Rather interesting way with words. But that night, as Hurley and Chang ate dinner together, Chang told Hurley the time had come to break with Stillwell. Over Hurley's protests, hoping still there could be a reconciliation, Chang said there would be no further discussions while Stillwell remains in China. If the United States insisted on Stillwell's appointment, China, after World War II, right? Uh, appointment, China would go it alone. Oh, no, I guess it was still, the war was still going on. Let me start again. If the United States insisted on Stillwell's appointment, China would go it alone against Japan. Even at this, Marshall insisted that Stillwell not be recalled. Hurley, however, advised FDR to relieve Stillwell because otherwise the United States would lose China. That's huge. Hurley added that Chang had led an ill-fed, poorly equipped, practically unorganized army against an overwhelming military foe for seven years. He also dismissed absurd the, tra- the charge uh, made by the press and the Foreign Service that the Chinese nationalists were selling their lend-lease supplies. So the under-equipped nationalist government, Chiang Kai-shek, our ally, was hopelessly outgunned by the uh, American military-fed and, and forced Chinese Communist Party under Mao Zedong. Admiral Willen, back to the article. Admiral, I'm almost done. I think I'm almost done. How much more have I got? Oh, actually, there's a lot. Yeah, I can't go through all this. So I'll stop here pretty soon. Maybe I'll skip down. I guess, let me see if I can find, because uh, we're almost out of time here, uh, to help in the comment. You know basically what happened. Let me see if I can get to some of the other. I got the role of the press and the foreign service. I pretty much read that. So it was a call too late. I read that. Yalta. Oh, let's call it Yalta. By early 1945, General Doug's MacArthur's successors were relieving the pressure on China, and it appeared that China's political and military situation was stabilizing. But as the war reared, uh, neared its conclusion in Europe, the leaders of the Allied powers there, FDR, Churchill, and Stalin, met in the Crimea at Yalta. Crimea, you know, that uh, Russia now has, that, uh, that uh, was taken by Russia from Ukraine during the Obama administration in 2015? Yeah, that Crimea. Where in its conclusion, the Europe leaders met in the Crimea at Yalta to discuss the issues surrounding the war's conclusion. While the February 1945 Yalta Conference is known for its decisions concerning the fate of Eastern Europe, what transpired there would also play a critical role in the fall of China to communism. In his book, How We Won the War and Lost the Peace, William Bullitt wrote, Roosevelt was more than just tired at Yalta. He was ill. Little was left of the physical and mental vigor that had been his when he had entered the White House in 1933. Frequently, he had difficulty in formulating his thoughts. Hmm. Who does that sound like? Biden? <laughs> you know, anyway, in, the weekend, in his weakened state, Roosevelt made decisions that would haunt America for decades to come. He relied on the advice from the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which essentially meant George Marshall, who told FDR that the war against Japan would go on for a year and a half after the surrender of Germany. Well, it didn't work out because we had the atomic bomb. He was told that it was therefore essential that the United States obtain the aid of the Soviet army in the final assault upon Japan. See, that's why the nations were, were split, Korea and, and uh, Vietnam ultimately, right? To give territory to Russia in return for coming into the war against Japan. Then it says, actually, there were two War Department estimates, one that explicitly advised against Soviet participation on the grounds that it was, quote, not required by our military necessities. Oh, Stalin demanded a high price for entry into the war against Japan. He told Roosevelt that if he was not given the use of a warm water port at the end of the South Manchurian Railroad, it would be difficult for him to explain to the Soviet people why Russia had to enter the war. 
as though Stalin had to explain anything to the Russian people in his totalitarian dictatorship. In addition, he would have to be given joint operation of the Chinese Eastern Railroad and the South Manchurian Railroad. Despite this, Stalin said the Chinese would retain sovereignty over Manchuria. MacArthur, the Supreme Commander in the Pacific Theater, uh, Patrick Hurley, the U.S. Ambassador to China, and Generalissimo Chiang Kai-shek were not told of the secret Yalta agreement for some time, four months in the case of Chiang. Of course, Alger Hiss, who just died recently, an American State Department official and a Soviet spy, who was also president at Yalta, not only saw it, he helped craft it. So Alger Hiss was responsible for all our deaths in Vietnam and Korea and all the other places we've been since. Then it says about two months after the Yalta conference, President Roosevelt died. The new president, Harry Truman, was as uninformed as Chang on the terms of the Yalta deal as it pertained to China, but its supporters would soon begin his education. Truman chose to honor the Yalta sellout that would bring the Soviet army into Manchuria. That's how, so that's how the Russians got into China, right? Even after being informed of the atomic bomb, Hurley called the Yalta Agreement a blueprint for, a communist, for the communist conquest of China. So why would you fight the Nazis and support the, the communists in China? That makes no sense. They're the same thing. I just find that interesting. Back to the article. Once informed of its provisions, Chiang Kai-shek also knew what the Yalta Agreement meant for China, but he still tried to reach a peaceful settlement with his communist enemies in order to please the Americans. Uh, in order to please the Americans. There we go. As such, Chiang announced the following steps. One, all Kuomintang Party headquarters uh, in the army and the schools will be abolished within three months. Within six months, local representation councils will be established in all provinces and districts in free China on the basis of popular elections. Three, a lot of legal residents, legal status to political parties would be promulgated, and the government hopes, uh, and the government hopes that the Communist Party will qualify thereunder. Hmm. Four measures have been decided upon with a view to improving the position of peasant farmers, uh, reduction of rents, questions of land tenure and land taxations, and five, a decision to hold a national assembly was confirmed at the Kuomintang conference recently held, and it is scheduled to convene November twelfth, nineteen forty-five. The communists accepted none of the proposals. Yeah, big surprise, right? Because they had the backing of the U.S. communists in our government. And it says, but they, that's my point. Then the article says, but instead demanded that the meeting of the National Assembly be called off. Yeah, President Truman said the problem was that Chang should have been more conciliatory. Yeah, he was wrong. There's my 90-second warning. Oh, I didn't get any other warnings. This is interesting. All right. Oh, Marco's leaving. Everybody's leaving. Marco, have a great day. I'm almost done with this. And uh, uh, whatever you missed, just catch in the podcast. And so that'll be out in a little bit. I'm surprised they didn't get uh, more warnings, but that's okay. Soviet Army uh, turns over Japanese Army to the Reds. All right, how much have we got left here? Not much. Let me just finish this because that'll, be, that'll make the show complete. Next headline, Soviet Army. This is the same article, but subheadline. Soviet Army turns over Japanese arms to the Reds. Interesting. With the conclusion of the war in Europe, it was anticipated that Stalin's Red Army would be rolling into China, ostensibly to attack the Japanese, thus helping America defeat Japan. The reality is, however, without American Lend-Lease, in other words, we let stuff uh, be borrowed and then uh, leased, in other words, they paid for it, and hopefully they would own it eventually, Lend-Lease program. That's what the British had, right? However, without American Lend-Lease, the Soviet Army would have been unable to move into the Far East. The reality is that most of the Lend-Lease sent to Stalin was not used against Hitler, but against Chang. Let me say that again. The reality is that most of the Lend-Lease, that's the military equipment, sent to Stalin was not used against Hitler, 
but against Chiang Kai-shek. After China went communist, some of these Lend-Lease weapons provided by the American taxpayer were used against American soldiers in the Korean War, according to General Douglas MacArthur in his memoirs. So, now you set the stage for what's for. This is why this is this set the stage for what's important, uh, what's going on with the meeting in China today, and it's so important. Again, I'm sorry it has to be in the podcast. I didn't quite time it as well as I, you know, I tried. Article's a little longer than I thought. He says, the re- back to the article, the reality is, however, without American Lend-Lease, the Soviet Army would have been unable to move into the Far East. So in other words, our military weapons were used by the Soviet Army moving into China. The reality is that most of the Lend-Lease sent to Stalin was not used against Hitler, but against Chiang Kai-shek. After China went communist, now, of course, the Russians want China to go communist because they get two communist nations. And look what's happening now. So Russia, of course, now Russia and China didn't always get along. I mean, they've had problems. But the fact that they were both communists meant that if Russia was a, a, a free country, China would oppose Russia. If China was a communist country, they still might oppose Russia, but at least they had the same political philosophy, and they probably wouldn't go to war with each other, and they would definitely both oppose the West. That's why it's so significant. Anyway, article says, after China went communist, some of these Lend-Lease weapons... Okay, I read that. Um, I'll say it again. After China went communist, some of these Lend-Lease weapons from the United States provided by the American taxpayer, were used against American soldiers in the Korean War. So our weapons were used by China, provided by Russia, bought by the American taxpayer, used against American soldiers in the Korean War. That's according to General Douglas MacArthur. Article says, by the time of the Potsdam Conference held in 1945, July 1945, it was becoming increasingly unlikely that Japan's Japan's defeat would take several more months. The Japanese had wanted to surrender, with one condition that the emperor be allowed to keep his throne, and they asked the Soviets, who were neutral with Japan at the time, to transmit that to the Americans. Stalin refused. Sadly, many in the American government already knew of Japan's desire to surrender before the dropping of the atomic bombs. Now, I've already said that we didn't have to drop the bombs. Okay? Japan was defeated. Their military-industrial complex was gone that the army was in shreds in the islands, that the navy was basically destroyed, the air force was destroyed, there was no reason to go for unconditional surrender. Japan wanted to surrender. Now think about that for a second, because this changes history. This is absolutely critical. It says, sadly, many in the American government already knew of Japan's desire to surrender before the dropping of the atomic bomb. And what did Japan want? They wanted to keep their emperor. Well, why was that a problem? Why was it a problem for Japan to keep their emperor. Did you think that the emperor was going to rise up again and defeat us? I don't think so. In fact, I don't think the emperor had much to do with uh, Japan becoming a military power. Tojo and the military dictatorship did. Did the emperor approve it? Yeah, he did. So he's not innocent. He's guilty as hell. But the question is, if Japan kept their emperor, was that a reason to not accept their surrender? And I would say no. I would say if you could get a surrender without using the atomic bomb, unless, of course, they wanted to. If you could get a surrender from Japan, and the only thing they wanted was to keep their emperor, I would have gone for it. So, yep, okay, you got it. War's over. You know, we're not going to, uh, you know, we don't need to do this. We don't need to invade the Japanese homeland. We don't need unconditional surrender. See, the big thing was unconditional surrender. So, in other words, no conditions. So, keeping the emperor was not allowed because they wanted unconditional surrender. In other words, no conditions. And the only condition Japan asked for was that they keep their emperor. Well, why was that such a big deal? You want to end the war. You want to go home. Japan's already defeated. Germany's defeated. The war is over. Why wouldn't you give them their emperor? 
I don't get it. Considering what happened afterwards was insane. The whole dropping of the atomic bombs and everything else like that. So look what Japan was willing to lose and the United States was willing to do so that Japan wouldn't have their emperor. That makes no sense. Article says, by the Potsdam Conference held in July 1945, it was becoming increasingly unlikely that Japan's defeat would take several hours. I read that. Here's the bad part. Again, sadly, many in the American government already knew of Japan's desire to surrender before the dropping of the atomic bombs. How come that wasn't made public? Of course, there was a war and there's censorship, right? Truman knew, back to the article, as he sat down with Stalin, that America was in possession of an atomic bomb. And that after testing in the deserts of New Mexico, that would almost be certain, that would almost certainly, uh, would be almost certainly decisive. Let me say that again. Truman knew as he sat down with Stalin, this would be the Potsdam Conference, right? July 1945. So Germany surrendered. Japan was still at war. Truman knew as he sat down with Stalin that American, America was in possession of the atomic bomb. And that after his testing in the deserts of New Mexico, that it would be, would be almost certainly decisive. According to the United States Bombing Survey, Summary Report, Pacific War, page 26, certainly prior to December 31st, 1945, and in all probability prior to November 1st, 1945, Japan would have surrendered even if the atomic bomb had not been dropped, even if Russia had not entered the war, and even if no invasion had been planned or contemplated. This is absolutely critical to understand because most Americans don't know this. Most Americans don't know that we didn't need to drop the bomb. I know because I've studied this stuff. Most people do not know this. They think we had to drop the bomb. Otherwise, we would have had to invade Japan to get a surrender. That's not true. Japan was willing to surrender. And the only condition, the only condition that they wanted was to keep their emperor. So we could have spared an invasion of Japan and millions of American lives. We could have spared dropping the atomic bomb and all the horrors that that brought, we could have spared all this stuff. Simply, we could have kept Russia out. We could have stopped the Vietnam War, the Korean War. We could have had China as an ally. We could have all these things. And all we had to do was let Japan keep their emperor. That's a ridiculous price to pay for an unconditional surrender when a conditional surrender would have been just fine. Let me read this paragraph again. Truman knew, as he sat down with Stalin, that America was in possession of an atomic bomb, and that after its testing in the deserts of New Mexico, that would be almost certainly decisive. According to the United States Bombing Survey, Summary Report, Pacific War, page 26, quote, certainly prior to December 31st, 1945, and in all probability prior to November 1st, 1945, Japan would have surrendered even if the atomic bomb had not been dropped even if Russia had not entered the war, and even if no invasion had been planned or contemplated. That would be invasion of the Japanese homeland. And, of course, the bomb was dropped in August, August 6, 1945. And they said that Japan would have surrendered. They would have had to. They had nothing left. Then the article says, despite this, the United States bullied Chiang, Chiang Kai-shek, into signing the Sino, in other words, the, uh, uh, the Chinese-Soviet Treaty which gave a veneer of legality to what had been decided for China at Yalta. When Chiang Kai-shek asked Truman to intervene with the Russians, who were going beyond even what was in the Yalta Agreement, Truman responded bluntly, if you and Generalissimo Stalin differ as to the correct interpretation of the Yalta Agreement, I hope you will arrange for Sung 
to return to Moscow and continue your efforts to reach complete understanding. In other words, it is your problem. Deal with it. America betrayed its loyal loyal Chinese ally, and the British, who had nothing uh, to resist the Japanese taking of Hong Kong, historically part of China, but at the same time part of the British Empire, now insisted on accepting the Japanese surrender there, completely cutting out the Chinese. Whoa. Ambassador Hurley, almost done, recommended that the terms of the surrender for Japan include a provision that all Japanese arms in China be surrendered to the Chinese government. But this was not to be. The Soviet army entered the war against Japan almost immediately after the first atomic bomb fell in Hiroshima. See, I didn't know that. Why would you want the Russian army, why would you want uh, the Soviet army to enter the war against Japan after we've already dropped a bomb on them, an atomic bomb? That makes no sense. But they did it. In In his book, Wedemeyer reports, General Wedemeyer wrote, the Red Army naturally met practically no enemy resistance and was soon in complete control of Manchuria. Northern China is part that Japan held, right? They then proceeded to receive the surrender of the Japanese arms and equipment, which they turned over to their Chinese communist comrades. You got that? So the Red Army comes into China against Japan when Japan's already defeated and already has had a atomic bomb dropped on them confiscate all of the arms of the Japanese and gives them to the Chinese communists under Mao Zedong. Brilliant foreign policy, everybody, right? Our government sucks. The final betrayal of Chiang Kai-shek. I'm almost done. Despite this, the nationalist forces were able to make significant military progress against the rebel communist forces over the objections of George Marshall, who had been sent to China by Truman after the resignation of Hurley. Marshall kept insisting that Chiang cease his efforts to destroy the communist armies and instead enter a coalition government with them. When Chiang failed to heed these orders, the United States slapped a 10-month arms embargo on the sale or shipment of arms to Chiang. In other words, cut them off from arms. So keep arming the Chinese communists, cut off arms to the Chinese nationalists, the free Chinese. Marshall seemed pleased when he said, as chief of staff, I armed 39 anti-communist divisions. Now with a stroke of a pen, I disarmed them. Isn't that special? (sighs) Almost done. As the military advantage shifted to the communists, communists, Congress finally passed a measure to provide some aid to China's forces. But the delivery was sabotaged. The Truman administration, Waitemar complained, succeeded in thwarting the intent of the 1948 China Aid Act by delaying the shipment of munitions to China until the end of that critical year. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, almost done. Don't have much voice left. Let me uh, take a quick water break here. I'm almost done. But this is critical to understand. Mm. Sorry about that. In his book, America's Retreat from Victory, Senator Joseph McCarthy wrote, Over the hump in India, the United States military authorities were detonating large stores of ammunition and dumping 120,000 tons of war supplies in the Bay of Bengal, much of it undelivered to China, but charged to her wartime Lend-Lease account. So in other words, they took all the arms that China could have used to defend against the, China, against the communists and destroyed them. In short, McCarthy blamed policymakers in the U.S. government for the loss of China. But... But lest someone uh, think this was just uh, partisanship on the part of the Republic, of Republican McCarthy, consider the words of a young Democrat member of Congress from Massachusetts, John Kennedy, who told the House of Representatives on January 25, 1949, the responsibility for our failure of our foreign policy in the Far East rests squarely with the White House and the Department of State. He was right. 
The continued insistence that aid would not be forthcoming unless a coalition government with the communists were formed was a crippling blow to the national government. Kennedy said later, what our young men had saved, our diplomats and our president had frittered away. And he was absolutely right. Yet Truman lamely uh, placed the blame for Chiang Kai-shek not being conciliatory. In his met- See, Truman totally screwed up, too. Truman insisted, well, respect for, for a haberdasher. The guy was a hat salesman, right? Truman insisted that neither he nor Marshall was, was taken in by the talk that the, communists, the Chinese communists were only, quote, agrarian reformers. But this makes Truman's culpability even worse. He knew that they were hardcore communists and still insisted that Chiang form a, quote, coalition government with Mao Zedong anyway. He did nothing to keep the Soviets out of Manchuria, even though he had, he had to have known this would lead to the transfer of Japanese military equipment to the Red Chinese. In fact, Truman pleaded with them to come into Manchuria. And he basically caused, the, the, of course, the Korean War, you know, was, was our, the Korean Peninsula and Manchuria. I think they're all sort of connected. I'll look at a map. Let's look at a map now. Going a little longer than I expected. Let me check my map. China, China, China. Here's China. So there's Korea. Where's Manchuria? All right. So yeah, there you go. So Manchuria. So you got uh, Russia on top. You've got China. That that uh, that far northeast corner of China is Manchuria. It's got Russia on on one side of it, uh, and actually the Korean Peninsula is south of Manchuria. So it wasn't a big stretch if the Russians were already in Manchuria or the Chinese Communists to go into Korea. Yep. Which is exactly what happened. Almost done. All right. Then again, in the two volumes of his memoirs, over a thousand pages of text, Truman never mentioned Soviet spy Alger Hiss, a Roosevelt advisor at Yalta, or the Rosenbergs who delivered atomic secrets to the Soviet Union. So perhaps Truman just missed a lot during his time in the White House. Yeah, he was, he was almost like the Biden of his day. This is unfortunately the lessons that should have been learned by the China disaster have been repeated more than once. In Cuba, Nicaragua, Vietnam, and Iran, a non-communist government ruler was cast as a corrupt dictator, while his opposition is pictured as just fighting for reform. In the case of Cuba, Fidel Castro was even called the Robin Hood of the Caribbean. If a student repeats the same mistake repeatedly, a teacher is forced to conclude that the student is just stupid. But with American foreign policy makers, one would think that if they were just stupid, they would make an occasional mistake in our favor. Huh. One of the best articles I've ever seen. Giving China to the Communists by Steve B. Bias, B-Y-A-S. And it was written September 17, 2018, in The New American. That's enough for today. Pretty, uh, pretty amazing stuff. Anyway, a little bit later than I thought it would be. I played all the stuff I have to play. So let's go with our, our Tuesday musical theme. Let me just look it up here real quick. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. So, um, again, our website is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. That's where you're listening. Writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, is where we um, do our citizen legislation. Contributions, givesendgo.com slash actionradio. Substack, gregpanglis.substack.com. And my, private, my, my public email, greg at writeyourlaws.com. Again, my voice is gone. So I'll have to get it back for tomorrow. Uh, but this is worth it to, uh, to go over all this stuff. Let me find my, my favorite piece of music for today. And I will see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central when we do it all again.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.